welcome to Exit Through the 2010s, a podcast where we reflect and dissect the movies of the 2010s. I'm Jack Draper, and uh, with me, who just started economics in Yale, it's Claire Williams. Man, wouldn't that be great? What, uh, what you been watching recently? Like nice Anything little, good? Nice little... Uh, well, I haven't been studying economics in Yale, that I have not been doing, <laughs> but uh, what I've been watching... Um, Caught up on some TV, uh, caught up on Doom Patrol season four, good ending, good season, HBO Max, I'm, me and Guy are, uh, are the only one watching it, so please come and join, uh, Young Justice, another DC show, um, trying to just watch that too, that was, that's, that's still, anytime I oh, watch something like either nerds. Young you Justice okay. or, um, JB and I are nerds, great. Right, I am a nerd, uh, <laughs> Whether and anytime I watch something like Young Justice or Invincible, I'm like, oh, superhero con like eighty percent of superhero content right now in film and television should be animated. Like none <laughs> of this needs to be live action. It's fucking ridiculous. Like that we for forcing it so hard on live action when anime animation's easily the best way to adapt any of that shit. Now bring back Batman the animated series. Mm. I think we're all pro. The real heads remember. <laughs> they do remember. I mean, they're do like I think HBO Max is trying to double down on that shit. They have the, this Caped Crusader show that has Bruce Tim coming back. In, like, is that Kevin Conroy? Not, I'm not. I don't think they've announced that yet. But like Matt okay. Reeves, JJ well, Abrams, are Bruce producing. Tim's a good. That's a good start yeah. for sure. Right. Exactly. Bring, bring Paul Dini so, in there. Yeah. Right. Hmm. I I think they're. I don't know. They're trying. I think they're just throwing money at the wall at this point. Um, but I mean, I, I'll watch it. That sounds Well, great. if the wall is Bruce Tim, then keep throwing money right, at the wall. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything <laughs> Write them as how much money they, they need. DCAU. Yeah. <laughs> right. Can you, can you contact um, Feige and be yeah, like, I, also I know watched, uh, No Way Home is, uh, in the, in the can. It's ready to go for December. Can you animate it? Can, is there any, <laughs> can you just like throw It'd it be so much better if it was animated. Oh my God. Just well, I mean, like it wouldn't one, it wouldn't take place on a fucking scaffolding building or whatever. Or it based, would be like, based on how Alfred Molina looks in the trailer, they probably did animate a lot, a lot of right, it. Right, right, right. They animated a lot of it, but like, oh man, I don't know. It's gonna be the first um, movie since the pandemic to gross a billion dollars, movie... right? We're agreed with that. I'm, I'm like, yes, yeah, so, that's probably that's probably yeah, it's a, a fair good, estimation. Yeah. Uh, a good bet. Uh, the one movie I have seen. Uh, since last week was, I always get the, it's Prisoner of the Ghostland, I think, or Ghostland. Oh yeah, the, the Nick Cage uh, movie from Sundance, right? Prisoners of the Ghostland, yeah, the Sion yeah. Sono film. Uh, it's my first Sion Sono, which probably wasn't the best, I mean, it wasn't a bad way to start it, but I mean, I hear his other movies are much better. Um, and this, you know, it was, it was interesting. I think it's a bit, I think it's so obsessed with being a amalgamation of tropes of you know westerns and samurai and just trying to mash it together to make this like true genre uh smoothie and it just kind of like there's not just there's just not a much there's just not much besides that hmm. um you got rob zombies homie uh fucking what's his name the guy who's in the double reject shit uh bill mosley as this, uh, as a villain, and he's always very good. Uh, Cage is good. Botella is good for what she's given, but it's all just like, you know, it's nice. Like, um, 
it's nice aesthetics and you know a, a fun enough watch, but it's there's not too much there. Uh, the ending is much like it get, the ending really like spices it up and makes it uh, like a positive gain rather than a negative one. As in, you know, it goes from mediocre to actually kind of good. Um, but it's still, it, you know, it's on Shutter. It's pretty mm. kind of short. You know, do what you as as most do, on do. Shutter are <laughs> pretty right, short. Yeah, Shutter. I think they have like if it's over two hours, we will shoot you. Eighty nine um, minute cap. Right, right. Or, we you know, you. or we like basically destroy the platform. You definitely um, like uh, Pig more than yeah. No, I mean, go Prisoners or Go Ghostlands for the twenty twenty one Nick Cage movies. Yeah, I mean, I was just talking. So I have this um, my cousin's partner. Um, so I was at Thanksgiving, he, or they are a, like, Portland chef trying to do, like, new things and be more radical in the, uh, the, uh, food scene in downtown Portland. I'm just like, okay, I'm just going to corner you right now. Have you seen Pig? <laughs> like, just, you got to tell me, have you seen the movie Pig? And they're like, oh, no, I've definitely heard about it. And I'm like, I don't. And I try not to do this with people. I don't know if you guys are the same, but like, since I'm such a, I'm known in all of my circles as a movie nerd, I try not to just like single people out and be like, all right, you know what? This movie, you need to watch this. You need to watch this. It could, because yeah. it, it becomes, it becomes a stereotype and also becomes annoying for other people. And I understand that I have self-awareness, <laughs> but when there is just a particular movie that is just so perfect per person, I'm just like, you know, I can't like, if I don't do this, like the cinema gods will strike me down in thunderous rage and I will be, you know, massacred in front of, you know, in front of all of my peers. Um, so I had to be like, pig, you gotta, you just gotta watch it. You held up a headshot. Uh, and they, page, they, like, they recognized pig. it and they knew about it. So they're like, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, I think I think film nerds do had that. Weird then we got into a conversation like about elevated horror. Like just in the middle of the just in the middle of dinner, we just got in a conversation about elevated horror. I'm like, this is just not what I thought Thanksgiving was going to be about. Like Ari Aster and Robert Eggers. I didn't think we were going to talk about this. <laughs> Midsommar's a pretty good Thanksgiving movie. I feel like, yeah. right? Right, right. I, I, Did you right. fire up I mean, our raw hey, episodes? Right feast, <laughs> decorations, and you know all that kind of stuff. They did see Raw. Funny enough, we talked about Raw and. Um, <laughs> It's a, it was all just it was very it was a very Thanks. interesting conversation. That's fascinating. Yeah, that that is not on your uh, Thanksgiving bingo card. My cousin knows how to pick them, man. She she has good taste. Hmm. Is this the Anna Karenina cousin? Yes, the very cousin, and nice. she also she. She always, like, eat, the two movies she recommends me anytime we hang out is, like, Anna Karenina and Pride and Prejudice. Those are the two movies. Uh, and also Captain Fantastic was brought up randomly. Right it was just a weird, weird Thanksgiving for movie recommendations and conversations. It was just like, oh, okay. All right, I guess we're talking about this now. You know, Viggo Mortensen vehicle. <laughs> the weird Oscar nomination of 2017. Um JB, what have you seen? Right, a movie that, like, no one knows, but apparently she's, like, now talking to everybody, like, you gotta watch Captain Fantastic. I'm like, all right, I just, you know, I I guess I can't predict anything anymore. God, with these streaming services, the algorithm is all over the place. That movie's weird. Uh, Jack just asked me if I've been watching anything lately. Mm -hmm. So, the most recent thing I almost watched is I watched, like, two-thirds of King Richard on the plane here (laughs) to fly home for Thanksgiving, but then uh, I didn't finish it, not because I wasn't enjoying it, but because my plane run ended. Uh, 
I'm looking forward to fishing it because the first two thirds is really, really good. Uh, but because that doesn't count, um, on my most recent letterbox, half other than credit. the movie we're talking about today, huh? Yeah, half credit. Half I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> other than the movie we're talking about today, my last two letterboxes are Belfast and Spencer, mm-hmm. both of which I enjoyed. Um, Belfast, I had high expectations, and Spencer, I had low expectations. Yes, it is Oscar season. Um, I think Belfast disappointed me a little bit because I maybe was expecting too much from it. And then Spencer actually surprised me with how good it was because I was not expecting much from it. And mm. yeah, Spencer's good. Belfast is good. Did you see them on the same but, day? Uh, I guess I prefer Spencer. No, I did not. I think maybe That's a couple days apart. That would be a day. Yeah, that'd be like yeah. watching Arrival and Moonlight on the same day. Can you imagine that? Who, who did that? Uh, was that, that like, you? Is that... that a reference that you? Wait, who? Who? Which? Of, when, okay, you did. Jack. Right? Did, okay. like, wait, I forgot it, whose story yeah, that was. Yeah. Okay. I and I. I know that when you mentioned that, however long ago we had that discussion, I you were wilding for doing that, dude. That's that's it's insane. Di- it's disgusting that's insane that it was a year and a half ago that we did that episode. I, time isn't real. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I had an existential crisis with a coworker because we both just looked at each other and be like, "What did what, what did you do for last Thanksgiving?" And we just none of us could really remember. Like we couldn't even picture ourselves what happened last Thanksgiving, and we both like freaked out. It was one of the most bizarre experiences I've had post pandemic, where we were just like, "Oh, we have no concept of time anymore." Yeah, I don't know what I did. It. Yeah, right, right, right. That's the crazy thing. That's the fucking yeah. crazy thing. No one knows what they did last Thanksgiving. It's nuts. It was- it didn't happen. Yeah. It was canceled. Um, yeah. Right. Okay. I, I, I'll I'll shout out a new release that I recently got to yesterday. Um, the Beatles get back. It's about a band called the Beatles, mm. and uh, it's very very Ooh, good. Heard of them? Um, Peter Jackson spent many many good years band. restoring this footage, and it shows. It looks gorgeous. Um, all of them are you know like bickering and creating these these songs where it's like oh yeah i know the finished version of this and you're like trying to sing along but then they're like stop halfway through and it's like oh right it's not finished (laughs) (laughs) um it's it's great it's it um i don't i I think as as like a beetle fan it's um it's really captivating but i don't know how it'll play with like someone who's like oh yeah the beatles like someone who's like neutral but uh, yeah i have like it's great to watch with your dad no familiarity or like Okay, I have no like familiarity or connection to the Beatles, so I'm very curious. Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. You it's, should uh, get familiar with the Beatles, dude. You should get familiar. <laughs> yeah, they're good. You should, yeah, that's you probably should, a good idea. You shouldn't. You shouldn't beat them. Um, you should uh, get help. I don't know. I'm just I'm trying to. Um... You should get Segway. a ride in the Yellow Submarine. You should... <laughs> you should get a ticket to ride the Yellow Submarine and <laughs> uh, within you, without you, whatever that one's called. And I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I finished part one as uh, as we're taping this. Part two is today and then part three is tomorrow. Uh, and that's kind of a cool... Um, uh, Wait, how are you watching it? It's, I did, is it's it on, on Disney+. Plus. Is, is it on Disney+. Okay, yeah, it, it which is, is kind like of. Not, I thought I it thought is. It wasn't out yet. Um, oh, I'm yeah, it. it's over. It's over the Thanksgiving weekend, and I kind of like that because like everyone is going to be like, you know, like home for the holidays, and <laughs> that's a movie title. Um, and uh, and like not like week by week is kind of like a refreshing schedule. Um, yeah, it's great. Well, it was originally going to be a one long feature, but then they decided kind of. 
post post after the fact that we do three episodes instead. Mm-hmm. That's a justification for to not go week by week. Is what I mean to re- release it all at once. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think I can remember anything quite like this. Um, but then again, like there's been so many Beatles media documentaries made, so it's like there could be. Um, I like that it's so different from any others. Is it just like a lot of behind the scenes stuff? Is that basically what, what the gist of it is? Is there any like talking? It's just them uh, writing songs between the two weeks they have until they have to rehearse and perform them uh, in 1960. Why was it filmed in the first place? It was going to. They be were making before. a documentary called "Let It Be." Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. As a companion to the and album. And the footage wasn't. wasn't is this o- is this that. like obvious? Am I am I just so out of like? The no. Beatles stuff that I'm just like I was that like a thing every Beatles fan knows or something. Like, no, I didn't know the documentary and all that. Okay, okay, we good. Yeah. Um, right. Well, there you go. Yeah, Josh Bradley's back with us. Uh, Hello. Hey. Uh, How's it going? Yeah. Three Timers Club. How's it feel? <laughs> Three Timers Club feels great. I get a certificate, right? <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. More of like a bathrobe, like, like yeah. a sewn, um, like it's something you would sew on your jacket, but like we're just gonna, get, you know, it's like a yeah. patch. Actually, a patch well, is probably the better way to put it. I mean, Jack, you did ask me. I don't know how long ago you asked me this, but you said, "What what movies do you want to plant a flag in?" I, I think my first answer was Moneyball, and so I'm extremely excited to talk about Moneyball. Yeah, uh, we're gonna game the system. Podcasting. Before we get to Moneyball, I do have a I have one question for you, Josh. Just yeah. Yeah. How's Burnthal in uh, King Richard so far? Uh, which one's Burnthal? John Burnthal. Uh, if he is a character that I think he is, uh, he's great. If, I think he's if... like one of the coaches or something? Yes, yes. Yeah. I like that dude. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. Okay, cool. I like cool, him. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Just Big to Burnthal head over what here. What else is he in? What else is he in? He was in The Punisher. I mean, he he's was The Punisher. Punisher. He's in Sicario. Okay. Um, yeah, he, he pops up on a bunch of stuff. He's in uh, the Wolf Taylor of Wall Street. Movie he's the guy that they see on HBO Max. That, like, to, yeah. To okay. He's Wolf of Wall Street. Wolf okay. Yeah. So I couldn't, I couldn't quite place him when he showed up in King Richard, and I knew that it wasn't um, Pablo Schreiber, but it reminded me of Pablo Schreiber. Uh, <laughs> he's got, a, he's got some Pablo Schreiber energy a little bit, but okay. Yeah, the Wolf Master of Wall Street guy. Yes. He was yes. great on Marin. You know Pablo Schreiber's going to be Master Chief? Say again about Pablo Schreiber? What? He's going to be Master Chief, the fucking Halo character. I'm not really familiar like, with Halo. On, for Showtime? Yeah. I'm the no, only person like, who is... Like, he's... No, no, no. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's, it's not a good character. It's just whatever. But he's just the guy. He's just the guy, like the Halo guy. That's just going to be his thing for the next, like, three years or whatever. I'm <laughs> the only person in the world who was in high school in 2006 and was not a Halo guy. <laughs> Whatever that was. He's just going to be true. that main yeah. helmet guy who doesn't have a face. That's yeah. literally his, the role. Aren't all be. of them helmet guys who don't have a face? Not to sound stupid about Halo, but yeah, that's but my understanding of main, Halo. He's the main helmet guy that doesn't have a face. Okay, the main helmet guy. There cool. you go. Okay, yeah. Um, well, um, it's, good. it's kind of like, yeah, that's kind of like a weird career direction. Like, oh, yeah, like I'm not too famous that i don't want my face to be covered but also like it's a really famous character so it's like i don't want to have like massive screen appeal but anyway so yeah moneyball uh when was your first time seeing this and yeah what's your 
Yeah, what's your history? So I can tell you – I don't actually remember the circumstance of when I first saw it, but I can tell you a story about when I first didn't see it, which doesn't <laughs> doesn't make sense, but it, it will make sense in a second. Uh, it was fall break of my senior year of college. Fall break of my senior year of college, and we were – me and my friends were all – like our, our school had a spring break and a fall break, so like we were off for a week, and we were off in you know, Hilton Head, South Carolina at a, you know, in a beach house. And all my friends said, let's go to the movies. And um, – so we all went like 10 of us and eight of the 10 of us saw Moneyball. I elected to not say Moneyball instead. Me and my other friend, Elisa, we saw instead uh, the Joseph Gordon-Levitt vehicle 50-50 instead of Moneyball. I kind of like that. Which I'm not mad about that. 50-50 is a really good movie and I'm, I'm really glad I saw it. And like I knew I'd get to Moneyball eventually, but like in hindsight, Moneyball's quite a bit better movie. Uh, but, you know, I still like 50-50, but like – yeah, I guess I probably saw Moneyball a few months later. I don't know if I saw it before the Oscars or not. We'll talk about 2011 Oscars in a little while, but like, I, normally I see most of the Best Picture nominees, if not all of them. I think to this day, 10 years later, I've only seen like four out of these nine nominees. So yeah. I was bad about seeing the nominees that year, but I'm, 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 I'm sure I saw Moneyball around that time, I think. Mm-hmm. What about you guys? Uh, is it a, can I go? I'll go first. Uh... Yeah, I, 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 didn't, I didn't mean to, you know, yeah, interject, but I don't think I can remember a time that I didn't know about the movie's, like, existence. I try to place mm. when my first time was, and I, and I just I just can't. Like, I've always, I've always known about all these scenes and all these lines and the characters and the way lines are spoken, um, like, just, like, the certain cadence. It's, and I have a little bit of a history. You traded Pena? <laughs> Giambi, Damon, they're all gone. Gone. <laughs> but yeah, I have like the same history with this, the same way I do social network that my dad used to get the Netflix DVDs that I have like a vague memory of. Um, but we used to like keep, we used to like turn them, but also keep them forever by burning them onto the family Mac and just like downloading them mm. onto iTunes. Um, like Toy Story 3, The Incredibles, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, trying to remember which other. 50-50 was actually one of them. Uh, the Ides of March. Like all these, all these movies Good that movie. I knew of that my dad would just like save for like the family. But I, I saw out of like my dad watching them or like I would sort of take interest in being like, oh, what, what is this? Like it's just something to watch on a car ride or something. Um, it's a good dad movie. Yeah, it's a great dad movie, and it's and it's a great dad movie that isn't just for dads. Like it's it's well made yeah. enough that you can be like, wow, okay, so this isn't too uh, like stagey or uh, inaccessible. Um, yeah, like and and it's kind of I wish I had a better story, but it's like I've kind of seen this every year. I haven't sat down to watch the entire thing. Um, since a few years ago, like I've never logged this on Letterboxd. Just always no. So on Netflix right now, you yeah. should you and should Hulu. pop it on, man. <laughs> it's good. Fire it up. You know what, guys? I'm gonna leave. I gotta fire Moneyball. Um, yeah, <laughs> I gotta watch Moneyball. Yeah. So <laughs> sorry. Yeah, that's how I end every conversation. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to remember anymore. Clay, what about you, man? When did you first see this? 
I mean, I don't remember when I first saw it either, so it's okay. Like, I yeah, I remember the time I didn't go see it, but I do not remember the time that I went to see it. I have no idea, actually. Yeah. I, I think everyone is sort of like, no, I have seen, but I can't remember. Like, that's everybody's. <laughs> so, this movie, I wanted to make sure I got this right. I haven't seen in six years. Oh, um, dang. Yeah, I saw it in 2015. Have no idea. Literally no recollection of why or what or like what I was expecting or I think I just I don't even know if I really knew who Aaron Sorkin was. I feel like I must have. I mean, it, 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 I'm not sure. Um, I definitely didn't have like I didn't know what a Sorkinism was for sure. I didn't know like I might have been like I watched this movie and I look at IMDb and I'm like, oh, Aaron Sorkin. Didn't he write that other thing? Like, you know, that kind of. That kind of familiar. Were you really into Steve's alien? Uh, obviously, like, Brad Pitt. Yeah. <laughs> if you weren't, you should be. Yeah, I was just gonna say. Like, um, I feel like maybe I watched Capote not that long after. Mm. Even though, like, that's also a movie. That's but that's a weird kind of movie to get to like early on when you're getting into film. I feel like I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's just maybe just like. PSH being that like powerhouse, um, and Philip he's so Lair. good in this. Well, I mean, mm, yeah. yeah, and I feel like maybe Foxcatcher I saw before all of them. I feel like I saw Foxcatcher on in on twenty or not on, but like in twenty fourteen. Um, so like this this could have been like my second or third uh, Bennett Miller joint. Uh, I've always been a Pitt fan, always been, uh, I don't know if he's always been, like, my favorite actor, but he's huge, like, it's just been a good portion of my time as someone who admires, in you know, Breve's film, uh, that he's been up there, top two, top three, for sure. Um, and, but for some reason, I've never come back to this film. Even though I've always been like, yeah, no, that movie's great. I've never, it just hasn't like stuck in my craw, uh, which is so weird, especially since like I was just getting out of, or like I was just kind of transferring my interest from the NBA to film that I wouldn't be so, I wouldn't be more attached to this, attached to um, Moneyball because it's like watching it now as I, as my love for basketball has been reinvigorated since the pandemic. It's like watching it for the first time in the sense of what it's saying about pro sports and big and small market teams and uh, the use and like the the force that economics plays in just competitive athletics, which is so crazy to think because it's just like people hitting a ball or shooting a ball or passing or just bouncing it on hardwood floor, but it's like. Like millions and millions and millions and hundreds of millions and billions of dollars just running around the entire, um, the entire system, the entire organization, the entire influx. Um, it's and nonetheless, like, but this is a broken economic it's a, system, right? Right, and it's still, and it's still broken-ish. Um, but like it, yeah. No, if we're just watching it this time around, it's just. I also was so like, oh, this isn't like, you know, this is, I I, I feel like Sorkin in estimation has gone down quite a bit. Um, 
in just respectability amongst, I mean, at least like film critics. I mean, I don't want to be too broad or generalized. And we'll see how being the Ricardos is. I'll, right. I'll, but Chicago Seven was probably like my least favorite thing he's done. His most recent movie. I, I think speaking speaking for that, myself. Right. I think some of that movie is pretty thrilling. I think a lot of I that agree. I still like it. I still like I think, it, but yeah. Right. I, I think a lot of that movie is embarrassing for me. Um, yeah. Like, there's just there are a lot of highs and lows, especially depending on which actor <laughs> scene to scene is operating within. Um, so, hold on. Let, let me ask you this. Yeah. Do, do you guys consider this a Sorkin movie? Moneyball? No. I consider it like a half Sorkin movie. Yeah. It's like, it, like yeah. it was going to be Steve's Alien origin, or it, it is Steve's Alien. And then, like, Sorkin. Or well, if we want to really back up, it was going to be Steve Zillion and Steven Soderbergh, and then mm-hmm. uh, they were like three day, three days away from starting production. They canceled it like right before they're going to start filming. Mm-hmm. And it was going to be like too expensive, I, I think, or yeah. something like that. And then uh, Aaron Sorkin it was going to be weird. It was going to be like a weird Soderbergh. It's going to be like a hybrid of documentary. Well, yeah, and, they uh, fiction. Right. Yeah, and like Daryl Strawberry is going to be interviewed with Lenny Dykstra. Mm-hmm. And I'm going uh, to bet Clay yeah. that what then, was originally going to be Soderbergh's Moneyball turned into High Flying Bird. Or it's I, I bet, Christ, yeah. Which is yeah, another movie that is... Yeah, these two are very much connected in the sense of... Well, I mean, they're like I, I, two different perspectives of a broken game in the sense of the broken... A perspective of the of the player and how professional sports is broken and then the perspective of a GM slash pay, uh, player and how professional sports is broken. Um, cause it is for the most part kind of broken, like in so many ways, even though like I, you know, I, I, I was talking to my uncle yesterday. I'm like, Oh, I don't think that there's, I don't think there's bare, I, this is one of the best times to be a basketball fan, but in the sense of the overall look at professional sports, and the dominance of big, big market and small market team, or the dominance of big market teams, while the, you know, the squandering of small market teams. I mean, it got it's gotten better. I can't say for baseball because I'm not really familiar with what's going on with baseball right now. But um, it is it, as a sports fan, it was pretty thrilling to just watch, basically a total deep dive into you know, what is modern athletics and how it operates within an economy and how it's its own ecosystem. I absolutely love how the opening scene, before it even shows you Yankees versus athletics, it says 114 million versus 39 million. Mm-hmm. And then like, it says, it says that, then it fades in Yankees versus athletics. I think that was there's so effective. First of all, I love when movies kind of... There's 50 feet of crap, then there's us. And there's 50, there's 50 feet of crap, feet, yeah, right, then there's right. us. But I, I love when movies, uh, you know, it's it's very economical in like getting across the theme to you, and um, you know, uh, there like so there's the opening scene where it's Yankees Athletics and they get eliminated from the playoffs, and then uh, Billy kind of reflects on that. He looks at the you know the big posters of Giambi and his ring housing and Damon, the players he's about to lose, which again is very effective and economical. And then the next scene, really the first scene, effectively, is him talking to his owner, asking for more money, and like. And isn't that when there's he has a thing the radio in screen screen it on and off? That's that's like, like the opening opening, but like yeah. the first like conversation scene he has is with his 
Yes. The first conversation in the movie is him and the owner basically saying, hey, I need, I need more money. Like, we had a good run, but we're not going to be back next year if we don't get more money. And the owner's just like, I don't tell you, bud. <laughs> you know? And um, right. there, there's a thing in screenwriting called, you know, theme stated, where you basically state the theme out loud. And he says, like, three separate times in his first conversation, he basically tells you what the movie is in this opening conversation. Right. It's good stuff. I love that. Um. But yeah, I love the the radio thing too that you were just talking about. Um, his inability to listen to or watch the games, which like, I'm I'm not a psychologist, but I'm really fascinated by Billy Bean as a character in this movie yeah, and like the yeah. what he's got going on. Especially with him. How, how Pitt plays I'm, him too. Yeah. He plays him like okay, such an okay, ex so, ex athlete, you know. But um, yes, you know, and okay, that's so, sort of the magnetic, so, and that's just just like the magnetic presence of Pitt. You're just sucked in right when you see a man like defeated uh in in this coliseum and uh can hardly right watch oh that's TV. so good yeah. so uh i found this uh manol dargis new york times she wrote of pitt's performance that it's quote relaxed yet edgy and sometimes unsettling and that's just that's just like so right on because you know among the most charming men to ever walk the planet for sure but like in this like there's a coldness to him and, you know, uh, you know, um, there's kind of like a distance, you know, he, he's kind of turning down the charm a bit, even though he's still really charming. And like, yeah, totally. I guess in the text of the movie, the explanation, the explanation for that in the movie is that he doesn't want to get too close to his players so that he can cut them if he needs to. But like, you kind of get the sense that his whole life is like that, where he's not getting too close to anybody, you know, he, he's divorced. Um, he doesn't really have any kind of personal relationships with anybody except for his daughter, and so, like, if if you kind of reading between the lines a little bit, if I could put on my psychoanalysis hat on for a second, like, he, he got burned by his first love, which is baseball. And because of that, he hasn't let himself love anything or anyone ever since. And so there's that, that coldness, that distance between him and everybody else. But even though there is that coldness, there's also the – just uh, one layer below that is just the simmering – rage or not necessarily the rage but competitiveness like you were just saying and that comes out when he you know throws the bat in the locker room when he every every time every time he talks to philip Seymour hoffman sure um yeah and when he, he gets off the phone with scott boris after he effed him on johnny damon just like throws his phone That's what down. Like, sounds like. <laughs> yes yeah yeah, yeah. um where's this i read it as like he's trying to interject uh the parts of himself that he wish he could improve on to Scott Haddenberg and to Peter Brand. He's like the intellectual mm. side and the athlete side of me are two sides that are like, that's my right brain, left brain a little bit. And because he's let himself down in those regards, um, he wants to make sure the best possible versions um, of, of Pete and, and Scott can succeed. Um, because, you know, the real Billy Bean kind of like, doesn't feel like baseball could be his life. You know, like, he was turned down um, for something else other than than baseball for a scholarship uh, out of college, but I, you know, you kind of or out of high school rather, and that, yeah, you kind of feel like this is someone who maybe doesn't feel like uh, sports was the right path for him. At the same time, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Where is this in your pantheon of pit performances? That's a question for both. It's you. up there. It's a tier for sure. Um, you know, we've talked on Tree of Life episode it's that both this and Tree of Life are top shelf. 
This, this might be my number one is why I'm asking. It's, it's, yeah. it's very possibly I, my number one. I will not argue that at all. Um, and, and even like supporting, supporting thing... performances will be up there for me and on top shelf. Like Thelman, Louise, and True Romance easily could sneak up there. Yeah. Clay? The thing with Pitt, um, you were talking about that coldness that he can uh, maintain and that detachment from people and relationships. Um, you see that in Tree of Life. You definitely see that in Ad Astra. Oh, I that, love him in Ad Astra, uh, dude. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. In that, in the use of flashbacks, um, and all three of those, all three of these movies kind of show that how much, how like a person like that can be burned and then just feel the need and feel like, you know, be so defensive and be so scared of being burned again and showing any kind of emotion. Um, and when it does come, like when the emotion does, you know, bubble up over the surface, it's usually, you know, disastrous and maybe even, um, dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I it, think it, it doesn't feel dangerous in this one, but I know what you're saying it, it. His his bubbling up does feel dangerous in the other movies he's mentioned, though. I mean, he throws a lot. Like he throws a he throws. He does throw a lot of stuff. Fast. That's true. That's true. I mean, not maybe dangerous to anyone in particular, but I mean, he is. He's not like a stable person. He's still like no. run. Yes. It, the only time you know, like the even the times he does feel like any like moments of joy it's still aggressive and yes slamming tables like you know yeah yeah the the, the trade deadline scene yeah he right, like hits right. his or phone out of like celebration i guess yeah hitting work workout equipment or whatever and like yeah. fist thrown and stuff mm-hmm. it's and it you know it's funny because i don't think when people think of pit as an actor i don't think rage is like the top like three emotions you think of, mm-hmm. or the like mm-hmm. things that drive him. Well, to um, to kind of touch on something I said earlier is his his competitiveness that kind of simmers beneath this. Right. And I just wanted to I just wanted to mention real quick that like getting that right in an ex professional athlete or even a just a high level athlete, I think when movies get that right, uh, I usually respond to it. And I'm thinking specifically of um, did you see uh, Everybody Wants Some, the Linklater movie? No, I haven't, but I, it, I've, I've been meaning to. It's 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 really good. First of all, like I honestly can't recommend it enough. But like, there's like uh, extended sequence where it's just like the dudes who are on this college baseball team hanging out at their house, and they're like, they're they're playing that game where you like slide quarters into each other's knuckles. To try, no, no, they're flicking they're flicking each other's knuckles, and like whoever right. like whoever surrenders first loses. Whoever you know right, can't right. take the pain of getting the, and like. They are so petty, but so competitive. And there's a verisimilitude to that. Um, A friend of mine played college baseball, and he said, I couldn't believe that they got it that right. Like, because that's exactly how everybody on the team was. Just, like, incredibly competitive over the most meaningless stuff. That's just just how they're wired, you know? And you see that with with Billy Bean here, too, that just, you know, what's the line? He says, I hate losing even more than I like to win. And there's a difference. And, like... Right. I love that man. That that's so cool, and may not be healthy. It's clearly not healthy because he doesn't have any kind of personal relationships in his life. But uh, it's cool, and I'm rooting for him. You know. Yeah, I think it's you talking about like performance in athletes. I think it's really interesting the idea of. Um, well, 
I, I, I think there needs to be, I feel like sometimes athletes are portrayed so similar, uh, similarly to just high school athletes or, mm-hmm. yeah. know, or, or the yeah, typical yeah. like playground athletes. There needs to be this difference. What makes you a professional? What makes you a top division one player? What, 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 you know, you have to make the audience believe like this is an athlete. He got here through sheer determination, will and talent. Um, not just because it's the it's in the script, mm-hmm. um, and so that competitiveness is. I mean, you know, the last dance was one of the best things I watched last year in general. Yeah. Uh, and it and what it and I took that personally, just, right? Exactly. It take it shows it just displays perfectly the actual emotion you have to use the amount of energy, aggression, pettiness, um, just overall psycho or psychotic competitiveness <laughs> yeah you have yeah, to yeah. use you have to use to become good like one of the best at a thing you like at, at a sport. like whiplash at, yeah right whiplash exactly. isn't a sports movie but like it kind of shows that not to use the word lightly like the sociopathology involved of oh, like of getting yeah. that good at something you know um you have to have just like you have to cut off so many things from your life to even get to that point so for Pitt to show that determ- that sheer determination and also how much emotion he has wrapped in it, I think he does that really well. Even in yeah. the moments when he's not throwing chairs, the, like, the way he can deflate in that conversation of like, what is this after the 20-game win streak? It's like, what does this even really mean? What is the point of any of this? Um, I think is, yeah, I mean, like you said, it is top-tier Pitt. Um not sure just, if it's like top three or top four for me, but I would have to think about it a little more. Sure. Um, so another thing we kind of touched on is like, uh, so I, I asked earlier if it was, if you thought of this as a Sorkin movie and I kind of don't because yes, yeah. I realize that he, he's credited as one of the writers on the screenplay, but like, you know, maybe the hallmark of Sorkin's writing is like the cacophony like the, the the musicality of the dialogue right, and like right. there's there's on this most recent watch I I noted how much silence there is in this movie right like there's there's a lot of silence and like it's awesome and like I noted a few specific examples um uh like when he's talking to uh the head scout Grady right before he fires him he says he he says you always tell these kids you know you know you tell their parents when I know I know and with your son I know and you don't. And then he just he lets the you don't hang right. in the air for like three or four seconds before he continues. And like that pause he takes is so good. And like he takes a lot of pauses. You know, I mean, I mean Pitt in this is, um, you know, he's kind of cold, but like his gears are always turning. He kind of like prefers to let other people talk instead of talking himself. Like, but like behind the eyes, you can tell he's kind of working through stuff. And um, uh, um, same um. Uh, when uh, when um, Jonah Hill's character tells Carlos Pena that he's been traded, Pena just picks up the sheet of paper and stares at him for like a good like seven count right. before right. he says anything. <laughs> like that's not again, a Sorkin scene. There were no, that's so not not at all. Just, like little man, like the, it's. I mean, Peter Brand as a character, not a Sorkin I mean, character at all. Yeah, he's so quiet. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and underplayed. He's so yeah, quiet, so mild mannered, um, and even and a lot of times when. The, the characters who are right in Sorkin's movies are the loudest. They talk the mm-hmm. most. They are definitely, like, the most involved. It's the opposite uh, here. 
Exactly. Like Peter Brand is the character who is right. And yeah. he is like, and even it's not saying like he doesn't talk, man. It's just more of like the way he talks and his yeah. use of dialogue. It's so like, you don't have the scene in the scouting room at the table. You don't have Peter Brand going me. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure. It's this like, so with, like, would you like me no, to speak? <laughs> exactly. Like no confidence. That's not how Sorkin likes to so, write characters, especially in conflict. What's interesting is, like, on paper, he actually is very much a Sorkin character where he's, like, a guy who went to Yale with an economics degree and now right, wears a suit course. and works in a baseball office. Like, that, that is a Sorkin character. But the way the way Hill plays him and the way, you know, again, kind of the, the rhythm of the movie is so not Sorkin. Again, I, I have a quote from uh, Dana Stevens of Slate. She said of Jonah Hill's role that it, um, quote, gives him the chance to be funny not by wisecracking broadly but by underacting. Right, and that's that's kind of the thing. It's like he underacts. Pitt, kind of, you know, again, his his he's playing down his charm to to be more cold instead, and you know, a lot of a lot of silence, a lot of pauses, which I think which I think is awesome. Like the, a scene you already referenced is the uh, the trade deadline scene, which is like I think a lot of people's favorite scenes. One of my favorite scenes that when they're you know going back and forth on the phones and like he calls like three or four people at once, talks to them all promises the promises them these players and then they just sit and wait for them to call them back and it's like a good or 10 or 15 seconds where it's just like they're just sitting there waiting for the phones to ring right. and it's just it's just quiet and billy at some point's like ah oh, i really want this one and like and that's right. that's it you know um i don't know i like the rhythm of this movie a lot it's something i haven't really noted on past watches but it's good stuff i, I really like yeah because it's not like I love Steve Jobs. Uh, oh yeah, just, I, cl- I click into that. I click into that movie really well, and it just yeah. it's, you know a lot of my favorite actors just acting the little peckers off. But like, <laughs> but it is one of the things where I do think that not all movies should be Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. and yeah. and I, I I think with this approach and that use of silence, um, I actually kind of wish. We'd get more Jonah Hill performances like this, and I'm and you know he's trying to direct and doing other things, and he's going to be in like a Scorsese movie, and like he's not like doing nothing. But I do want to. I mean, I of course I love him and stuff as boisterous and loud as Wolf and Wall Street, but I wouldn't mind him going back to this kind of more quiet, more reserved. Um, yeah. Okay. So so this was his this was his first Oscar nomination. And I remember the time people being pretty psyched about that because before this he hadn't really done anything serious. Really, it was it was all like the Aptow world, which I also right. enjoy. You know, I, I got nothing against that. I really super bad is one of my favorite movies of all time. But so he got nominated for an Oscar for this, and then very quickly got a second nomination for Wolf of Wall Street. And to your point, I think he's kind of been in more Wolf of Wall Street mode than this mode. And you know, he's upcoming as we're recording this. Um, Don't look up the new Adam McKay movie. Based on the trailers, he's definitely in Wolf of Wall Street mode in that, right, like right, nearly right. playing a very, very similar character, it seems. Um, in terms of this, though, I'm thinking of um, the Kerry Fukunaga show Maniac on Netflix. It was him and Emma Stone. Right, which I um, haven't seen, I, but I've heard it's more of this realm. Of yes. More quiet. I, I've only seen the first episode. I, I didn't actually finish it. I mean, it was good. It was just <laughs> very, very weird. But uh, right, it's definitely, right. definitely, definitely more this than uh, than his other, his other stuff. I, I think he's just the way he talks about this role um, is really, really cool. In 2011, he's well aware 
this is such a big step for his career. Um, he's like, you know, I'm so I'm so thankful that um, Catherine Keener, who he he made that movie Cyrus with, uh, introduced me to to Bennett mm. Miller, and then because uh, Catherine Keener was in Capote, and then like that kind of like brought him uh, into the project. I mean, the whole experience, and it's bizarre saying it in front of these guys, but yeah. is incredibly <laughs> incredibly surreal. I yeah. would say, you know, when I got the phone call about the movie. Then when I got the phone call, I remember I was standing when I was told I was accepted to play the part. You know, it felt like I had gotten into Harvard or something. You know, it really did feel... Is it bigger than Harvard? It just <laughs> felt it felt very momentous. Yeah. You know, even from the moment that it was... That I knew I was playing the part, it felt like something very special. And it felt like, not to sound uh, like I'm talking about myself, but it sounded like an involvement in my like an evolution like in my career and my maturation as a as a mm. person that I was getting to do something completely different than I was ever given an opportunity mm. to do like I think th I made so many movies about being immature yeah right yeah, I mean you have to really understand so my friends huh? yeah exactly, exactly. So but, yeah, yes. but you have to understand I've, I've, I've you know the early part of my career in the films I'm really really proud of yeah. Um, are about being immature and not figuring out how to take that next step. And then yeah. I get this movie, and it felt, I mean, you look at look at me. I mean, I look totally different. I, I you know, it was a very maturing thing yeah. for me. It felt like I had been stamped. It felt like um, it's time to grow up. It's time to, you know, yeah. be bold and 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 change. You know, and not change, like leave everything behind, but change and evolve. Right. And it's just been the most beautiful, it's been a really beautiful experience yeah, for me. That's really sweet. It is. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's sincere. He's very, yeah, he's, he's, And he's really so good. Like there was that whole trend of comedians making that dramatic turn. I mean, it's nothing new, but like, I think it's, I think it's always like a gamble. Um, when it doesn't work, it's something weird, like stranger than fiction. But when it does, it's something like this. Uh, when it's when it's like a match made in heaven. Stranger Fiction is great. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh no, I just know its reputation is is like uh, it's it's like a gamble that just didn't pay off. But uh, um, yeah, sure. but Jonah Hill is uh, um, just like perfect in this, and I, I've always considered it his best performance. Um, um, yeah, I, I I just love Jonah as an actor, though. I think I like him more in Wall Street than in this. Honestly, yeah, yeah, me too, me too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's always interesting. I always find it. I think I've talked about this before. I've always found it interesting what actors and directors think their best movie is, because um, it's like I all, it, like sometimes I want to know and sometimes I don't want to know. It's because it's the whole idea of well, the moment you make it, the moment it is ours now as an audience, it is ours to interpret into how we feel about it. Of course, they have a right to be like. Oh, I, you know, it's my favorite, but it's something not. But it is always, it is sometimes just kind of like, it's kind of hard to like, sometimes question, like basically, well, I disagree with you. It's like, well, you're the actor. So it is one of those things where I don't think it was your best performance. Like, well, I'm the person who gave it. So hmm. I don't know. It, I've always found that kind of, I, mean, I don't know if there's much to say about it, but anytime that that is brought up, I'm always just kind of like, huh, I don't know how to like well, react. Well, that... That whole line of thinking reminded me of something. And Jack, to your point about um, what he said about this role, 
Um, I'm reminded now, and I haven't thought about this in a long time. Um, I think it was either Rolling Stone or Esquire was interviewing all the stars of This Is The End in 2013, the comedy with McBride and Seth Rogen and Jay Baruchel and Jonah Hill. And hey God, um, it's me, Jonah Hill from Moneyball. <laughs> right? <laughs> Did he say that in the movie? <laughs> it's really um, it's so good. Yeah. So so okay. So 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 this guy interviewed this writer. <laughs> this writer interviewed all of the people who were involved in that movie, including Jonah Hill, and he may have just been having a bad day. I don't know the circumstances of when this interview took place, but like he really did not come off well in the interview. And like mm-hmm. Jonah Hill, I mean, you know, Seth Rogen is Seth Rogen, so he comes off exactly how he comes off. Danny McBride, Danny McBride, he comes off exactly how he comes off. And like the interviewer clearly was trying to get Jonah Hill in like super bad form. This is the end form. Like, talk, ask him all like these jokey questions, the same questions he asked McBride and Rogen. And Jonah Hill like tightened up was and was like, um, "I'm a serious actor. I don't. I'm not going to answer questions like this." It's so and like, because this that's, is the end that's of the not a good look when you're Street. when you're promoting. So I, I bet you know. I, I don't know. Yes, but, guessing, but but so like, I I I I, I don't want to read too much into it because again, he, maybe it's just a bad day. But he did not come off well, and it kind of like, it made me you know it made me think about how he sees himself post Oscar right. nomination, post Moneyball, mm-hmm. post Wolf of Wall Street, and you know if you look at how his career has kind of diverted from those other guys that he came up with. Um, Maybe there's something to that, but um, regardless, you know, I, I, I'm still a huge fan. Of I'm not, I don't let that color my opinion of him. I actually went to a Q and A when I when he because he directed mid '90s a few years ago his directorial debut. I went to a screening of that with Q and A with him, and uh, he seems he seemed cool there. So the one time I saw him in person, he seemed cool. Maybe just having a bad day that other time, but yeah, great in this. Well, it is that I, kind I, of. I do think like every branding. time he come, he gives like a different, yeah, exactly, yeah. Every time he gives a different interview, like. I see like the complete opposite. So I think you're right. Uh, yeah. Like I don't, I don't see him with a big ego. Maybe he's but just he's Andy Kaufman. He's all become of us. much more, he's become much more <laughs> self-serious and much more of like, I mean the whole, like anytime he would like the promotional run for mid nineties, he was super low energy, super low, like not like, and I think it's one, maybe he's just kind of tired of the whole shtick. I mean, there was a good, like, you know, his get him to the Greek years were probably not awesome because, one, his weight was definitely a, a huge focus. Um, mm-hmm. And when he was losing a lot of weight, you know, there was a lot of paparazzi on that. And he's had run into focus. paparazzi before. Yeah. Um, and so he, it's just, I mean, I think he's just been jaded by a few things in the industry, which is completely reasonable. Um, and I, I do think he's... It's interesting because I think it's like you either flourish under the idea of being the funny man or you resent it. I mean, you look at, like you mentioned Seth Rogen, different career arc, and you look at, I mean, not necessarily that different. Like, hey, he was in fucking Steve Jobs, but it what? never feels like he's trying to distance. He, I've never felt be ever, like, not even an iota of a feeling that Seth Rogen was trying to distance himself from comedy. No. Hell, on the other hand, I sometimes, even though it's weird because he'll then he'll pop up in Curb or whatever, and it's like he's, he's not necessarily you know anti comedy, but he, I think how people view him in a comedic manner as like a person, I think gets under his skin. Yeah, because he doesn't he doesn't yeah, do like I a get into that. the Greek and maybe like, that, maybe that will get tiresome. Yeah, he doesn't do like the babysitter again, or uh, he doesn't take a bit part in 
for getting. I mean, granted, and I think he's conscious of like, like I don't want to go back to that, and I don't want to mm-hmm. be viewed as that again. Which is interesting, but like, even though like he's still in like Lego Batman or whatever, or like does animated movies, and um, but I, I don't know. I, I, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but I, I but I have like no, definitely noticed like at like 2011 is very much like a. I mean, it's a, as he said and as others said, it's a huge turning point of in his career mm-hmm. um and i think he's all and i think sometimes people still expect him to go back to i mean like 21 jump street's what 2012 um yes yep it's like a year it's a year before wolf 22 is 2014 so it's Moneyball. like so it is after wolf of wall street right like, he's like okay i'll do so he's kind of bouncing this. back and forth he also i mean the thing is i think actors in general are insecure and so the and he, so he's probably still being he's still probably somewhat insecure about not being taken seriously because i mean the idea is like a lot of it's not even comedic actors who have that i'm not going to answer that i'm an artist reaction to questions it's christian bale it's like plenty of other actors who are never like who i think sometimes one of the press it gets to be a little too gossipy in tm tmz Brad Pitt, and it was a bit about gossip. Like I just like you think of me as like a clown, and I'm like an actual actor. Um, Right. So I I don't know. It's but that that stuff I do find somewhat interesting. Um, because also it's one of those things where it's like I don't like honestly that like sometimes actors have to kind of push back on what the press do, or they're just gonna walk all over you. Um, Sometimes I like to think of the uh, like the frat from rude. But. Sometimes I like to think of the frat from Knocked Up and like Martin Starr and uh, Jay Baruchel, Seth Rogen, Jonah Hill, and they like in the decade they've all had their auteurs that they've worked with. Like um, Baruchel was in uh, Cosmopolis and Seth Rogen was in Steve Jobs, so it's like oh wow they've all had like such strenuous careers after two thousand seven. And J- you're not mentioning Jason Segel, but Jason Segel, Jason you know, played yeah. David Foster Wallace. And yeah, right. Great movie. Nearly got an Oscar nomination for it. Yeah, I like that movie. Yeah, yeah. Really and he's movie. also had a weird kind of connection with, like, yeah, I mean, all all of those guys. I mean, Baruchel has gone into trying to do more directing. He's trying to become more of a horror guy. A lot of Canadian film filmmaking um, exploits, and he's also when you see him in, in interviews now, he's very much more self serious and a little more like slowed down and less energetic. also jason Segel and a lot of that's just getting older but it is like you know exactly you he's very much like he's you know who know like you don't like a lot of people after um the end of the tour people are like what's going on with him because he just wasn't doing much and people were like what's going like or like after sex tape or whatever like what what whichever one came after uh, the, uh after was i like, want to say sex tape was like, 2014 because that was career. one of the last camera diaz right mm-hmm. yeah man that movie kind of end of the tour is 2015 killed people apparently okay oh, cause, so yeah, yeah end of the tour is definitely like yeah something like that um but it isn't, yeah, and just seeing where those guys are now. I mean, Martin Starr is a Martin Starr. I mean, I don't think he's, yeah, right, right, right. I don't think he's changed almost Steady even hand. a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> he's just Martin Starr. It's comforting. Mm-hmm. Right. We all, I think, I think we all want Martin Starr to stay yeah. the same. I don't think we all want him to change. Rat, rat I want to, I want to imagine uh, Marty Starr is just Bill Haverchuk from Freaks and Geeks and like doesn't move from that. There you go. <laughs> yeah. We found his. He found Silicon Valley, so he's he's doing <laughs> yeah. fine. Um, 
the the show Silicon Valley, not like the he didn't right. he didn't become an angel. <laughs> he hasn't hit it big yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no segue, but can we talk about Michael Donna's score in Moneyball? Yes, we can. I've, it's I mean, funny. The, like, the, I don't, I, like the way that we kind of give like half credit to the screenplay with Sorkin, but it's really Steve Zalian. For the longest time, up until like a few years ago, I had always dreamed this is Reznor and Ross <laughs> for some reason. Cause it, oh, really? It, like it was a year after the Social Network and for, for some reason, just kind of like, it, I mean, in hindsight, it doesn't sound like something that they would... Uh, that they would score, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe. Just something about it, like it, a little similarity, but they they have a pretty broad spectrum. But no, of, I love their I love work. Their you know, you composer. listen to Soul and Mank, you know. Um, but I think that uh, I think that Michael Donna's score is doing a lot of heavy lifting here. It's great. And um, I realized that the song that plays the song that plays during Hatterberg's home run is not him. That's that's a song from another band. It's called "This May Destroy You" by the Rio. Grand, I think, is the name of the band. Mm-hmm. Um, that that scene is just immaculate. That that scene is next level. Uh, how and that, that's where it's a sports how that movie. Scene plays out, but and it's I like, mean, he, this movie is kind of like a rejection of the yes. tropes. But it's like when Hatterberg hits that home run, like well, Billy Bean is okay. like he's just he's not even working out anymore. He just he has his head down, can't even look at the TV, and like well, that home run is so loud. That was nothing I was gonna. Billy say. hears it from the workout station. Like yeah, it's but it's great. It's earned too. That's something I was gonna say is that 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 scene is the only scene that like the the sports in the sports movie is it entirely plays out in montage minus that one at bat. Yeah. Everything else in the movie is just montage, and that that makes it pretty unique, I think, of, of um in the sports movie genre. You just don't really see that ever. Um, but yeah, uh, I I think that you know me and me and Clay were talking a lot about how much silence is in this movie, and I think that um. Michael Donna's score filling the gaps uh, really moves us along. I think that it's doing a lot of the emotional heavy lifting, particularly because there's kind of a coldness in both your lead characters. Yeah, and um, Miller's direction the score, I think, so kind of understated. helps move us along. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Not nominated for best director here, even mm-hmm. though the two lead performances were nominated. The screenplay was nominated. Uh, it was nominated for best picture, but Ben Miller, Ben Miller, not in there. And everyone had loves to make room for Woody Allen <laughs> and that French guy. Everybody loves Michael Hivonicus, <laughs> you know. So it's. It's like oh, yes. so so. Is so that the artist? Yes, the artist. Yeah, yeah. Or Mich- Michel Michel Hivanikas. Yeah, yeah. He has. There might be a Z in there. Has a Vazanik. I, I don't mean. It. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Mispronouncing his name. It's just that he hasn't done anything since then or before <laughs> I mean, then that I'm aware trying, of. So. I'm trying okay, my best to erase the Z so I can be like, disrespectful. Get it close to right. <laughs> yeah, like I keep pronouncing the lead. So, so can we talk? Frenchman, you can. Drag his name in the mud. It's fine. <laughs> Jean Dujardin. I keep. I kept on I guess uh, calling Jean, the lead actors in our in our episode for the artist. I kept saying his name was Jean Dujardin, and it's like, what am I saying? But it's like that seems like half right. Not quite close. <laughs> I know. But I'm, I'm just I mean, gonna so stick to it. I'm gonna stick to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. 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 Might as well. So. I think I mentioned near the top of the episode that like I usually see every Best Picture nominee or at least all but one or two, and even to this day I've seen one, two, three. I've seen okay, I've seen four of these. Do you yeah, have a I've seen four of these? Um, I know you guys have an episode. I do. do you so want the, to the Best Picture quick? nominees yeah. this year yeah, were the artists. Would, yeah. yeah, the artists, the artists, which I have seen, the Descendants, 
Extremely Loud, Incredibly Close, which is one of the few Best Picture nominees have a be, have a rotten grade on Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Um, uh, the Help, Hugo, oh. Midnight in Paris, Moneyball, Tree of Life, and War Horse. War See, there's, Horse. There's like, some like real highlights, but there's also I mean like you could even argue that's worse than the 2018 list. It is. It absolutely is. So I know you guys have an episode on the artist, and I know that. I feel like the artist has been, it's been both like completely forgotten, but also kind of litigated how, how much of the just bullshit that was, that it won best picture director and actor somehow. And I, I don't know, man, uh, me, it's me and fine. Jack, I don't know. I don't have it strong is fine. feelings. I think the issue with that movie is I don't have strong feelings about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I, don't I, I think or, that's or sort of our consensus in that episode that the lows of the lows in the best picture lineup this decade are so low that it's almost like, well, this is mid-tier by default <laughs> well right. what I, what me and jack were talking about before we turn the mics on is that you know another podcast we like argues that the best picture winner kind of reflects the attitude of the country at the time and so the artist winning best picture and kind of sweeping the oscars is a really like obama's first term kind of thing we're like <laughs> yeah we got nothing else going on this right. movie makes us feel good let's just give this right. best picture um, okay, so my, my point is, though, everyone talks about how, yeah, the artist swept. That's bullshit. But people sleep on how much the help was a big deal at these Oscars. And, like, in the last One few Octavia years, people Spencer have kind of come around and realized that help sucks. It won right. Octavia Spencer. But, like, you guys were, like, in middle school for this Oscar, so and I was in college. So, like, I was maybe more in tune to what was going on. The help was a big deal. Mm. Both the book well, and the movie were a very big movie. deal. That's definitely an Obama-era movie. Like, we that's a good point. Kind of that's thing. a good point. Yeah. Um... Yeah, the help's rough. And, like, e- even setting aside, like, the many, many problematic things about it, it also just, I don't think it's that good. Like, it's just... It's lame, man. It's yeah, a it's, lame-ass it's, movie. It's, yeah, it's just... Octavia yeah. Spencer, stop but working with Tate Taylor like, challenge. <laughs> <laughs> well, but I don't just, know. Maybe if we have... Has anyone here seen Ma? Maybe we'd be real Ma. Oh, right. That's, no, but there are a lot yeah, of big... There are some Ma heads out there. Yeah. Right. I think maybe we need... <laughs> maybe to I should take that back. Yeah, maybe I should bleep that. Um... Right, 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 right. We, we I've seen careful. a lot of. I haven't seen the Ma movie, but I've seen a lot of Ma memes. So yes. that's oh you know, yeah, what's important. I've seen um, a lot of. What's what's the main actor? Uh, was it Luke Evans? Not is it Luke Evans? Is he in that or the Dracula Untold motherfucker? Whatever. I've seen a lot of picture of Octavius Spencer grabbing his dick with a pair. <laughs> wait, of I'm sorry. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah, that's not the meme you've been wa- you, you saw a lot. Oh yeah, <laughs> right. That's not resurfacing. Apparently, there's a I'd scene where rather not. Right, okay. right, right. It's in. It's like a PG, and it's like I don't even know if it's rated R, but it is just I like. I think it is. It's very, you know, uh, I don't even know why I necessarily brought it up, but that's like unfortunately the first meme I think of when that movie comes up because. So. Yes, yeah, so twenty eleven Oscars. I think the two, well, <laughs> three things really. The artist, we agree, fine movie, but I don't know why we decided to give it all the awards we gave it. Two, the help. I wish I could forget that movie. Three, uh, probably the last significant Woody Allen movie, Midnight in Paris. One, one right. him and a fourth Oscar, yeah. and like that was also a pretty big deal when it came out. Like everyone was right. talking about this movie. Um, it's pretty unsettling. Uh, yeah, and I, I was I was going through the it wins original screenplay. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah, it did. I mean, it's it's also a very nice movie. Um, was he there? He must. Have he been was there. not there. I think he'd been boy. He's been boycotting the Oscars for decades because he still gets nominated occasionally, and but he he never shows up for anything. Why? What um, was he? Because he wasn't getting nominated. Was that the? Whole... I don't remember why he he stopped going. But he like I, I as long as I've been watching the Oscars, he's not he's not showing up, and I've been watching them for fifteen years now. 
Um, so I went through the categories for I'm the 2011 sure the Oscars. And like, him out, or could I be confusing him with Polanski? I can't remember now. Well, the Academy gave him Best Director 25 years after everything about him came out. It's not like it was a secret. Right. They just, I guess, didn't care, I guess, which is uh, unfortunate for, in a lot of ways. Um, I went through the categories in the 2011 Oscars, and I think that, like, I, I, I wrote down the bright spots, which is Christopher Plummer won Supporting Actor, which is great. Um, the Dean from Community won Best Adapted Screenplay. <laughs> Jim Rash? Jim Rash and Nate Faxon won Best Adapted Screenplay alongside Alexander Payne for writing for The Descendants, Descendants and Best Adapted Screenplay. Oh, that's right. Like the um, way back, the way way back got nominated. No. Oh my god! Number three, a separation won best international feature. Great which, movie, good fucking movie. Thank thank God. I feel like international feature is such a crapshoot that like there's there's always a movie that's like so clearly the best one, and I feel like it never actually wins. So great. We've job always there. been up in the and air then, to, uh, to lastly, do the Oscar winners for international feature. We we may do that in the future. You should. Yeah. You should. Yeah. And uh, lastly, the song from the Muppets won Best Original Song, which I don't know <laughs> if you've seen one? the Muppets. Uh, Man or Muppet, which Man is a, or, yeah, am I a Man fantastic yeah, song. Yeah, yeah. Um, honestly, watch that 2011 um, one. It's been a while. Honestly, of of all the Best Original Song winners, Man or Muppet might be like my favorite <laughs> of all time. It's, it's among my favorite of all time. I mean, that I mean, it's a very low bar to clear. I get did that. Did Rainbow Connection win in its year? It had to. I'm not sure. And now, if um, it didn't, I'm actually going to throw something. And Plummer was 2011 because I thought Beginners was 2010, and these are the. Um, or am I confusing myself? It was this Oscars, yeah. I, I no, I th- I thought it, I, I know I always, it was this Oscars because I'm, I'm looking was. at the 84th. I always think uh, of Beginners Academy as a 2010 movie, right is all. Um, okay, well that okay. I think that, I kind of do too. If you'd ask me, but yeah, I right. guess not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it says it's a 2010 drama, but. Right. It must it know. must have been like a the, festival to, thing I, in 2010 and then released in 2011, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, that is a great win though. I have to interject with breaking news. This is breaking news. Yes. Rainbow Connection did not win best original song at the Oscars in 1979. I'm about to lose my fucking shit. What did win? That's like what? the best I don't know what won, but like I just looked up on IMDb and like what how could you not nominate that fucking song? I mean, how can you not get the win to that? I mean, it was nominated, but it didn't fucking win. Rainbow so I'm Connection. My, I'm oh showing my, my ass here. What's Rainbow Connection? A rainbow Connection. It's like uh, Paul Williams, the first Muppet movie. It's when he's singing uh, with... Oh, okay, 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 okay. I got you, I got you. Cool, it's cool, just, cool, cool. It's the best one. Ugh, I'm just so... I'm, I'm floored. I'm disturbed. And I'm upset. What won the year that Sufjan had was had the nomination for? Um, I, I think that is. Call me by your I name. Think, um, Sufjan Stevens was nominated yeah, for Call Me um, by Your Name. I think his. That didn't win. Yeah, no. Uh, oh, Coco won. Coco won. Remember oh, me from remember, Coco yeah. won that year. Good yeah. Ball. Yeah, that I mean, that's a great song. I'm not. Like, I'm not going to complain about well, that. But like, yeah, Sufjan performed at the Oscars, so you're like, oh well, he's the performance. It must be the winner. He did. Yeah, so it must be the winner. Well, I think I think at least three of the songs were performed that night. If not all five, are you? Because it, it's tradition to perform all five best original song. Numbers. Best song. Do you think it should I'm sorry, be a category? Again? Oh, do you think best song should be a category? 
Um, well, I'm in the Amanda Dobbins camp in that <laughs> if you keep it a category, you can't just have like a song play over the end credits and call that best original song. That seems like a very cheap way to get Beyonce an Oscar, <laughs> which is what will eventually happen. Mm-hmm. Well, um, what about the opening credits, like in like Bond movies? Does that count? That's different. That's different. Okay. Um, right. I feel a little bit differently about that. Especially just because, like, Adele's Bond song is fantastic from Skyfall. So, like, I'm cool with her winning an Oscar for that. Mm. Um, other than that, though, like, I prefer songs that kind of, like, figure into the plot if they're diegetic or whatever. Like Coco, for example. Or, um, you know, at least something, like, written for the movie, inspired by the movie that's actually in the movie. Much like Sufjan's song was in the movie, uh, Rainbow Connection. Rainbow Connection. Know? Man or Muppet. Also, it's, like, the low point in Act 2 song. Uh, that's, like fantastic in the Muppet movie the 2011 one apparently in so. 1979 Norma Ray it goes like it goes by David Shire and Norman Gimbel won so fuck you Norma Norma Ray. well I I, I can also see that because oh, like Norma Ray has a notoriously um like pretty banging soundtrack but it's yeah, no Muppets but it's the fucking rainbow connection I mean it's Kermit D fucking frog ladies and gentlemen it's the man of the frog <laughs> the legend so i don't know i don't know maybe maybe i'm just crazy maybe i'm maybe i'm like just out of my fucking gore but like, no i, I think you're know. i think you're right yeah I'm, I, I think I'm right. let's relitigate the 1979 oscars let's let let's do it let's do it right now 1979 um, movie draft when's the but i do I, you would think that so who won best so obviously the artist guy won best actor for mm-hmm. john dudarden yeah. the 2011 yes mm-hmm Yes, what you want to know the nominees? Fucking, this is no. weird, man. Like, I did Weinstein really pay off everybody? Was that the thing? Like, did know, he man. pull Golden Globes? Like, that's crazy. Well, do you want, I you do, want to hear I the do know one thing actor? that the that so Weinstein's did is like taking Charlie Chaplin's great great grandkids and like sort of having them introduce the artist. Like, this is the power of the movies, and like doing sort of like we're related to a famous silent movie star, so like we have like a like a sh- like we can introduce this thing and like i don't i don't know like that i know that was like some st- strategy they used that's hey remember how like remember how good movies used to be <laughs> exactly right, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Right, like, right right yeah remember when we there was an actual need for like great silent film instead of just using it as a fucking convenience i don't know man yeah i don't know Ugh. uh i would give this to pitt if we were giving this oscar out yeah. again yeah, give i'm giving pitt it to pitt for, sure. for moneyball personally also, pretty, pretty, pretty thin best actor category. To be perfectly honest, so who's so, uh, Clooney and the Descendants? Uh, the artist there? guy, Clooney and the Descendants, uh, Jean Dujardin for the mm. artist, uh, Gary Oldman for Take Your Taylor Soldier Spy, mm. um, Pitt for Moneyball, and I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name, but uh, the guy from A Better Life, the Suzanne Beer movie. Oh yeah, I'm Which sorry, the yeah. not a Suzanne Beer movie. It's um, it's a Chris White, it's Chris White's movie, but it's uh, mm. A Better Life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Damien Bashir, I guess, is how you say it. Oh, that's a uh, fucking. That's he's in some of Quentin's movies. He plays. Oh, okay. Um, he plays like I think the Mexican Bob in the Hateful Eight or something, which is yes, weird. he does. Yes, yeah, I recognize him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Um, and he's very much not Mexican, ladies and gentlemen. He is, I think, a Spaniard. Um, uh, it says he is a Mexican actor. So. Oh well, really? Yes. Never mind. I'm so sorry. Jesus. I don't know. Huh. I just assumed Quentin fucked that up somehow. Why um, would you assume Quentin Tarantino would would cast someone who's right, right. Mexican when they're right. Spanish? 
Right. What an outrageous assumption on your part. Right. Um, what was I going to... Um, but yeah, no, I mean, like, Oldman, Pitt, one of the two, and I think Pitt. Yeah. I think that's just like a... Or even easy. Clooney. I mean, I, yeah. I actually haven't seen The Descendants, but like, you know... Neither. I like ne- I, that, that, that's a good point. Neither have I, but it's just like... I don't know. It's like... Uh, Oldman, I mean... Honestly, if we could take away the Darkest Hour win, maybe, even though I don't actually, I'm not as, I know a lot of people hate, like, or I know a lot of people hate that win. I don't mind it that much. I'm, you know, sue me or whatever. But, like, I think him and Tinker is definitely, like, that, that's the winning performance of his mm-hmm. career. Yeah. I'm, I, did Tinker even, like, get nominated for anything else? Probably not. Was it screenplay, maybe? I, I bet it's um, I think screenplay. Yeah, yeah I think it's it not does, for it must be Mark Strong oh, should have gotten posthumous. Um, it's an adapted, yeah. yeah. Lost to the descendants and yeah. the dean from community. <laughs> Good win. But like I think Good Jim Clooney, Rash, uh, Pitt and um Oldman are similar that this is like three these are three roles that the actor and the character are so well matched. Hmm. Especially, yeah. especially Pitt and Billy Bean, um, yeah. yeah. Which is which is why like I give this who, who, best actor who's in the young of life, actor best they get to play young Pitt. I was gonna ask that because it's it's wild how much he looks like him. Fucking like, crazy! It, it's unsettling how much it looks like him. Mm-hmm. It's nuts. It's like I've tr- and- I, it's it's not on the Wikipedia page because I went to the Wikipedia page to try to find out what that dude's name was and I couldn't. couldn't By the way, are we relieved that they got someone I mean, to to like play young Pitt and not having? Brad Pitt's face de-aged in 20 years or something. I well, I mean, the, yeah, this like is a like nice creative choice. So. This is a pretty low-budget movie, relatively speaking. Yeah. I mean, it was like $50 million. That's actually not that low, but um, <laughs> for, it was for high like enough a, they didn't want Soderbergh to make like a three-hour yeah, faux documentary situation. Yeah, for what Soderbergh had planned, it's pretty yeah. inexpensive, yeah. Um, we're, we're into like just random observations about the movie now but one thing i absolutely love is the spike jones cameo <laughs> and um he he's he's uh robin wright his billy bean's ex-wife robin wright she remarries presumably yeah. yeah that's spike, spike jones, jones. Alan, yeah. and like the contrast between billy bean and alan this new guy is well do you incredible. think that's like, like decision every we make e- up on our own she has a cell phone <laughs> <laughs> well the way he like belittles him he's like yeah. her mother and i will discuss it <laughs> yeah, right. you know yeah, big parenting discussion that's what I was trying to but think. like yeah. in in any in any way the two people could be different alan and billy bean are different i, I think way. this is also just, just and that's a good demeanor attitude like, this is a movie that kind it of is small talk right like anytime that baseball is in the con in the conversation the movie is bored of it or at least it tries to speed through well, it Okay, so it's interesting. It's, it's interesting you bring that up because like there's a lot of there's a lot of a uh, shoe leather in this. What, what what do I mean? What I mean by that is like usually like you don't see the start of the conversation where you sit down and have a little small talk because that's not like important in the plot, so it's usually cut in the edit. But like you see that here when he sits mm-hmm. down to talk to his owner, they have a little small talk. When he sits down to talk to Alan and his wife, they have a little small talk, and like it, for me, I kind of see that as like part of the part of brad pitt's character being or how about when he goes people, to the like, uh, gm of the indians or the uh um the cleveland yes indians, yes and, yes and he's small like talk talking about too. the chair yes, like, exactly what the fuck is this one yeah 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 <laughs> got three yeah, weeks yeah. in it yeah but um yeah I, but i i like that but uh, real quick though um uh mm-hmm. 
I think it's telling that like Billy Bean's marriage failed and then she moves from Billy Bean to this guy. You know, she basically moves to as different of a person from Billy as she possibly could, which I think is like an indictment of their time together in some sense, probably. And, you know, again, the point I made earlier that he's cold and distant with everybody and maybe because he was burned by his first love and therefore never loved again. But um, I just thought that was really interesting. And like, it's a, it's a good detail that you can like read between the lines and like pull a lot of out of that little detail of like. Spike Jones just being this big doof, you know? And I like that there's no argument scene in, uh, between Wright and Pitt where they, like, take each other aside to the kitchen. He's like, you should have right. told me about the cell phone or something, you know? But right. It's, it's, it's not all, like, real understated. Whole, like, and melodramatic uh, nonsense that would just bog the movie down. Her um, mother and I will discuss it. Right. <laughs> what, a, what a belittling line. It's so good. And yeah, I it, love it, Alan's yeah. reaction where he just, he just laughs. He's just like, ah, yeah. okay, yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, so the young brad pitt was reed thomas and he has precisely four credits on imdb two with no poster one is moneyball and the other is not another celebrity movie which is apparently a movie full of people doing celebrity impressions an hour and 35 minutes of it sounds like a rules and he but i do i love how how many of the baseball players are are in this besides uh pratt like really all the baseball like justice and uh bradford like they're played by actual ball players that's pretty cool oh, oh really? i didn't know that mm-hmm. oh wow okay like they may well, be no, in Royce other Clay- movies Royce Clayton but... plays miguel tejada yeah yeah miguel tejada who is a big part of this team who doesn't like he's not in the movie much but he's played by a former cardinal shortstop actually my my st louis cardinals yeah. oh i wanted to ask josh what's your relationship yeah. with sports like professional yeah, sports? yeah like or should baseball we narrow down to baseball like, yeah are you i mean baseball? i well, so let me just tell you this is um, that that's one thing that I love about the movie in general is that it really does like baseball is such a stats game and like it makes that it, it makes that part of the story, part of the text. I mean, the whole the whole movie is basically baseball stat stuff. And like from ages seven to like 10, every single day I would read the sports page and like just read all the stats from the previous night's games in the major leagues across the entire league. And I was just like obsessed with it. So like. This movie's kind of tailor-made for, like, eight-year-old me. Right. And um, by the time, like, this streak happened, like, the 20-game win streak that's portrayed in the movie, I was 12. Um, I was still watching SportsCenter every day, but I wasn't, like, reading the – I wasn't reading the stats every day like I used to when I was a little bit younger. But um, I remember this streak happening. I remember them covering on SportsCenter. Um, I remember it being a very big deal. Um, so, like, I, I don't remember – I guess I remember when Moneyball came out, I was like, oh, it's about – it's about the win streak. That's cool. And it's not really. Like, the win streak is, like, the, the third act, I guess. But it's not about that at all. I did not read the book. My dad has a copy, and he's been trying to get me to read it because he, he loves it. He's, he actually loves it more than the movie, even. But um, I've not yet read the book. Mm. Yeah, and I know it's sort of yeah, like a No Country for Old Men so this, thing this is, uh, that the yeah. book and the movie came out relatively soon after one another, and they both rule. <laughs> well, the book actually came out 2003, so right after the events of the the events portrayed, the book came out like shortly thereafter and the movie didn't come out till eight yeah, years yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eight years later. Um, yes. But yeah, I do hear they both rule. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what was I going to say though? Uh, I already forget. Yeah. Sports, you guys, what do you got? Yeah, I know for, for myself, like... Well, I mean, I've uh, talked baseball. about my love for basketball quite a bit Yeah. Um, on the podcast. Like, I've talked about my relationship to the NBA quite a lot. Um, I'm, I do think though, like the... Uh, being a GM 
of a sports team is one of I'm now getting more into what a GM really does. Earlier, like in my fandom of being a in like my sports fandom, I, I I didn't I don't even know if I really even knew a, a single name of a, of a GM besides maybe like Jerry West or something. Um, but now it's like for my team, the Washington Wizards, Tommy Shepard, our GM, has become much more of a mainstay because he's made some really interesting trades that are quite are kind of like this. He's getting a lot of like interesting pieces a lot of like low budget players to fill in certain gaps and stuff like that and it's like so I, being in this like height of fandom for my sports team and seeing similarities between operating procedure in sense of philosophy in um in like trading and signing free agents it was i don't know it was just made it even more fun watching this um but it's like the being a gm is something i kind of I feel like every sports fan kind of just wants to do just like in like at least romantic or like you know theoretically. It's sort of like how every movie. There's a reason fancy sports own a, own a movie theater. Too. There's right. a reason fancy sports is 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 as popular as it is, is exactly. because the idea of like owning a team is very appealing. That and also being like, oh, I can make this trade, I can make this signing, and like kind of challenge yourself to build the perfect team and have it all mm-hmm. work out. I mean, that's also why sport video games are so um, so popular. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think you're also kind of touching on something in that um, I think this is unique among sports movies. We've, we've already talked about the fact that, like, all the sports that happens plays out entirely in montage minus one at bat. Um, right. But also, like, you know, it was definitely praised when it came out for being accessible to non-sports fans. And part of that is, I think, a credit to the storytelling. I already mentioned how, like, they do a great job setting up exactly what the movie's going to be in the first like five minutes you know what the movie is regardless of what you know baseball's about just because they lay it out for you there's rich teams there's poor teams there's 50 feet of crap and there's us but they don't um, dumb it down which is so surprising they don't you would just think yeah. they would i love the scene with the scouts where, where they're they're using terminology that i'm very familiar with because i grew up playing baseball and i've watched baseball my whole life but like you don't really need to know what they're talking about though it's just like very clear that you know the point of that scene and i love the details here is like there's a reason all those guys are like ancient they're making a very clear point by having all these old guys talk about this strategy that's been working for 100 years and then a new idea is going to come in and, and then look how the dinosaurs recent athletic season turned out yeah well also like it's also you know a clever uh, editing trick in the movies that not not even a trick it's just the flow of the story but like it cuts from the old ancient scouts talking about these players, and it cuts to Billy being scouted as a high school player, and you know mm. connecting those two ideas. There's a lot of these. The, um, there's a lot of cuts. Like I think this movie is ex- extraordinarily well edited. Um, like in that mm-hmm. montage, when, editing nomination too. Yeah. yeah oh, yes. Um, which like which obviously there's that stat that like a lot of best picture winners uh, go for editing noms too. And all of them, basically. It, yeah, yeah. All the, I, <laughs> more or less. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like I love this moment when uh, uh, Pete and Billy are talking to the players and they're going over strategy and like you can finally see yeah, Billy like, montage, going, yeah. going into like a little bit more of a more personal relationship with them. And, he, and he's like, it's a process, it's a process, it's a process. And then it cuts to Billy mm-hmm. like running around uh, uh, the athletics uh, stadium and, and he's like, Calcium, yeah, because yeah. because like that's exactly what what like working out and going to the gym is is like going yeah. w- working at this a little mm-hmm. bit of a time like 
getting doing better at anything ball, is a process. Yeah, it's this a process, money ball process. thing sucks. Like it was painstaking, and they had to make phone calls. Oh my god, <laughs> the phone calls. Um, <laughs> but forgot about the phone calls. He made the, the trade deadline. We'll, we'll get there. And uh, and like it was a painstaking process. Nobody believed in them. They were jokes on the radio. But it's like nothing came perfect. Like not even the Red Sox a few years later when they finally won that World Series. That wasn't like oh and and we're here. like they didn't arrive and uh, with perfection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think another thing though, and we kind of talked about this this start is that you know it, all, all the best sports movies are about something other than sports, and that's yeah. I think I think that's a pretty universal take. Um, mm-hmm. And this is I, I don't want to overextend the metaphor, but like this is you can kind of extrapolate stuff about like income inequality. And how, like, the world is just inherently unfair because of the way that economics kind of runs everybody's lives, you know? And, like, I'm not saying that, like, if you're poor, just, like, think outside the box and you'll do do okay. That's not, I don't think the message is the movie, but, like. even if you do, you still don't win. That's the, I mean, even though this is based on a true story, that's the beauty of that fucking ending is even if you think outside the box and you do all the right things and you're an innovator and you get and you break a record, you still don't win the fucking championship. Sorry. Yeah. And you can't but fix the I, I system. I think there's universality in the sort of thing. And also, like, those ideas are reemphasized in Michael Lewis's be- next book, The Big Short. You know, so, I guess. Yes. Or, or exactly. Yeah. Thing. I mean, but the, the universality, the universality of the movies and the premise in that, like, the world is, the system is built to stack the deck against certain people and to stack the deck in other people's favor because they have money. And that's just a universality, you know, and right. whether it's the Yankees yeah. or Elon Musk or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, and it, yeah. the thing is, and that's the broken thing with professional sports in general. I mean, I, I mean, football and not American football. I mean, like soccer, that's even <laughs> crazier. I mean, I like from what is I that know that sport of, from like, Ted Lasso? You know, the top tier teams. <laughs> Right, 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 of course. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. Real Madrid joke, and the, joke, you know, joke. like these high, 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 high profitable, um, like top of the tier soccer, soccer teams just buy their wins. You look at college football, you look at how top heavy that is. If you're not a big school that doesn't get big recruits, you're fucked. There's, that's why you only see Clemson and Alabama and org in the Oregon Ducks and all those teams come back every single year, roll tide. Like it's just it's the same teams over and over again. There is a time Oregon less so recently, but you're exactly right. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean same same. It, it's but the thing is there has been some bright spots. As I am saying this, the NBA championships. Sorry, the NBA champion of last year was the Milwaukee Bucks, a, bit, a small market team. Before that, it was the Lakers, the Golden State Warriors, like teams that were in like the biggest cities in the fucking world. But a team from Milwaukee that didn't pay out of its goddamn mind for players won the championship. And that was a big moment. And that's why that was like the most one of the most popular teams to win in NBA finals. Like there was not many haters of that team because it was such a great story. But it is still has that effect of you look at what happened that offseason, not to get too much into basketball, but, you know, the big teams like the Brooklyn Nets and the Los Angeles Lakers, they just buy all these kind of players. Um, mm. And it, it, you know, it, and there's like the, there's cap And that's exactly what the Yankees could have like done to the A's. Weeks have it's tried to monitor it. them out of their hands. Right. 
I mean, that, and that's the thing. Yes, like the farm system is a real is like the farming for other teams is a real thing. Like that's a real thing that happens where a, a shitty team like the New Orleans New Orleans Pelicans or whatever drafts a player. They play there a few years. They get to be great, and then the Los Angeles Lakers picks them up, or whatever. It's just it's a real thing that happens in all of sports, and even some sports are worse than others, obviously. Um, but it, what even happens yeah. in this movie? The, the Red Sox swoop in and take Damon. The Yankees swoop in and take Jambi. Like, that's exactly what happens. They just mm-hmm. can't afford to take him. Yeah. So right. they take him. Right. Yeah. It, it, and so it's, as a sports fan, it, you know, it kind of sings to my soul uh, watching this movie. And even like, as, a, really as like a casual play. sports fan like I am, like, it's fucking great. It kind of, like, appeals to everybody. I mean, when Jonah right. Hill is, like, when Jonah Hill is explaining how Johnny Damon is not worth $7.7 million and it's cutting to footage of Johnny Damon like signing with the Red Sox. I just get so jazzed and so excited. <laughs> and Michael Dana's score is starting to rumble yeah. beneath him and the voiceover. And like he's about to basically pitch what the rest of the movie will be. And like, right. man, it's so good. It's so, it's good. so good. I love it. <laughs> it kind of goes into that Michael Mann effect of people being good at their jobs. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. It's Competency like... porn. Right, exactly. It's where, like, oh, he just, like, someone just figuring out the system and being so confident and so, like, has, like, all the evidence behind them. And it's just kind of, it's just that satisfying feeling that is really, like, it's kind of, it's not impossible to fuck up, but it's just, it's so, like, you keep saying, um, Josh, the word you keep using is universal. And I think competency is such a universal, um, pleaser in the sense of what you're of the media you're watching there's that great moment when uh after billy after billy trades jambi in front of philip seymour hoffman and then he leaves and philip seymour hoffman stops peter jonah hill on his way to the office and says wait do you believe in this he's just like yeah 100 yeah (laughs) do you want this door closed (laughs) so good yeah miller's direction is like so uh so understated that it it doesn't feel like it's overly dramatized like even if they like took creative liberties with it it's not like who cares so what <laughs> right um like yeah. um a future best picture winner argo like everyone complains about the creative liberties they took in there and we talked about that but but even here like i don't i don't even like okay but it still made something that was like so believable and um yeah yeah. Well, so what what I remember of the Oakland Athletics at this time is that they had three incredible starting pitchers, Barry Zito, Mark Mulder, Tim Hudson, who do not appear at all in this movie. And, like, they probably had a lot to do with that 20-game win streak, I imagine. But, you right. know, it's fine they're not included. It's, who, who cares? <laughs> like, you know, they're telling the story that they're telling, so whatever. And I also like the difference between that and, like, Argo is, like, people died with the Argo thing. Um, or wait, or no, I guess no one died, but like, you know, people could have died or someone, people, people must have died, died during that whole thing. <laughs> it feels like um, people we don't know about them, died. but yeah, right. probably. Yeah. I mean, that was a huge, I don't remember, man. I, that, see, that's another movie that just goes in, in one ear and out the other. It's not even like, it's a, like, I'm not even like offended by it, but like in a sense, not offended but in the sense of prob- being problematic, but just like offended by the quality of it. I'm just more of like, oh, that's okay. That was a movie. That was, I guess, that was all right. Mm. Yeah, that's. I mean, I like Argo, but I, I haven't really had any urge to rewatch it in the last nine years at all. Right. 
So. Yeah, that's because the town is right there, um, and you can easily just check out the right. one. <laughs> I have rewatched the town multiple times yeah. in the last nine years. I've rewatched Gone Girl multiple times last mm-hmm. nine years. Mm-hmm. So the movie on either side of Argo from Ben Affleck, I'm a much you bigger fan. So I guess Gone. no one is going to stick up for Live by oh, Night. Um, we have no Live by Night heads. I like Gone Baby Gone also, but I mean like the, the movies that Ben Affleck starred in right, right before right, Argo, right, right, town, right, right okay, after yes. Argo. Yes, not, yes. not that he directed. Yeah. I know that Fincher directed a good Gone Girl. <laughs> a movie that's about about Ben Affleck. Yeah, both. Have it's about the idea of Ben Affleck, so. as Amanda Dobbins yes, would say. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> that's what I was alluding to. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, gotcha, gotcha. But I, I was just gonna say, uh, I think we talk about the editing. I think it's all. What was I gonna say? I, the inclusion and the cut of the sports media, I think, is pretty genius because one, it, it mm. builds in all of the noise without having to cut to like talking heads every other second and just like interrupting the flow of the film. It just it uses it just kind of like it's the it really is like the perfect way to do it because it's the noise. That's what people describe well, it as. Oh, the noise around this team, the noise around this you know tr- this it also, transaction. But it is instead of showing. Noise. Instead of showing the people talking, it shows Billy reacting to hearing it, because that's the important thing. You know, it's it's how is the fact that people are saying this stuff? How is that affecting Billy? So mm. the important thing for us to see is Billy listening to the radio, hearing these people saying these things. You know, and it right. helps it's the that, right choice. That, to your point, uh, it's, Benny it's Miller stuff. comes from a document documentary background. Um, his first feature oh, before Capote is called The Cruise, uh, and it's really really interesting. Right now, it's on Tubi. Uh, it's about this driver in uh, n- the 90s New York, um, and he's one of those double-decker buses um, for, for, like, tourists and such. It's really interesting. It's just, like, a very intimate slice of life. He's really the only person we follow. Uh, we see, like, his work at his, his life at work, personal life, uh, what he does in his free time. Uh, and it's it's only, like, an hour. It's, like... Heart, heart, like an hour, fifteen minutes. The cruise, yeah, it's the cruise. It's very good, um, and and I think this. I, this I, I comes... thought it was going to be the cruise. Oh, go ahead, sorry. And, and no, yeah, and the way that it, the archival footage is implemented in here is pretty brilliant. Uh, like we mentioned already, the uh, the scene when absolutely uh, yeah. Brand is talking about Damon. Um, and, yeah, and and also uh, the the streak montage. Um, it's also great. Street, I love the streak montage, yeah. man. And I, yeah. and I and I love when they're like implementing good... like old baseball, like like the classic like New York Yankees and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Like when they're sort of like recalling past Yankees stats, yeah, yeah. New York A's, Yankees, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Philadelphia A's, rather, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Man, this thing rules. Um, speaking of uh, the win streak montage, I think if. If, if there's nothing more to say, I mean, I feel like we've covered so much. Uh, that's a good transition into favorite scene. Oh, is which it? Is oh, yeah. My um, favorite scene. Yeah. Oh. My, um, I think the wind streak. Trade deadline. Trade deadline, yeah. I mean, the, the, yeah. I don't know. Well, the wind streak, it's just, it just builds up some momentum. It's the best thing sports movies can be is a great montage like that. And it's also just, ooh. like, the music, like, you, we've shouted out, um, the editing, it just it, it it captures that feeling as a sports fan, as as a Wizards fan oh, whose it's, team it's went on a five game win streak and felt like it, like was on the top of the world 
for like five games it, it, it I can't even imagine 20 like it is that kind of incredible feeling that just it's almost better than winning a championship uh my st louis cardinals this past season went on a 17 game win streak which right. is the longest that's happened in my lifetime and then and you some, must have and felt it was incredible incredibly thrilling oh even though we got eliminated from the postseason like in our first game just the 17 game win streak was pretty rad right 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 it's let, it's, let me let me actually like so, okay so I said trade deadline was my favorite scene, but also possibly the Hatterberg home run. You know, yeah, it's pretty. Um, that so that piece of, that piece of music, that piece of music. This may destroy you by uh, Rio Grande. I think is who it is. Um, so in 2011, so the year this movie came out, uh, the Cardinals won the World Series. Uh, my Cardinals in very dramatic fashion, um, where we were down to our final strike like three separate times. We ended up coming back to win and. After that happened, someone edited together a bunch of footage of the Cardinals World Series run and put that song over it. And so now I associate that song with not only Scott Hatterberg's climactic home run and Moneyball, but also about the Cardinals Cinderella story winning the World Series in 2011. So like that that song in that moment really gets me, I think. But there's like extra circumstances for why that might be. It's because of the Cardinals. And I love the way that Hoffman plays that scene too. Like he's sort of the disapproving dad to, to Billy Bean that it's like, I do not like what you've done to this season but scotty h let's see what what you got and um yeah yeah it just feels just (laughs) i think it just sings yeah it just i think like i don't think it's the last conversation maybe the second to last conversation that hoffman has with pip is just like i disagree with you I do. Every and it's time like, we it's talk, like, it, it's, my, it, my love of the game is reinvigorated. I'm reinvigorated by the love of the game. <laughs> <laughs> Hoffman Hoffman is in like um he, he's in Mission Impossible villain mode. Yes. I think. Right. The way the way he like talks to Brad Pitt. That threatening yeah. kind of undertone of like I don't. Yes. Uh, threatening I don't, nonchalance. Do you love someone? Do you have like? A do you have a girlfriend? girlfriend? I'm gonna find her. And I'm gonna hurt her. Right, right. I'm gonna that hurt kind her. Of just so kind of like Jesus Christ, stop yeah. talking. Like, yeah. Even in his like super low tone, it's like threatening. And I and I, you know, the relationship. So he's in that mode here. The relationship right. between uh, uh, Billy Billy Bean and his, and his ex-wife, you can also apply it to Billy Bean and Art Howe. Um, just there's some mm-hmm. mentions mm. of uh, of like his contract they expiring. Used to fuck. And oh, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, um, so it, it, it's it's kind of implied it's kind of implied that Billy Bean has been neglectful of Art Howe, you might say, which again is kind of connected to the ex-wife thing. And also, He's you can you can also contract. make the assumption of like Billy Bean is like doing his job a little bit, like he's overstepping his boundaries of what a GM is capable of. Is he like full on managing? Oh, his he team, he, or? he undermines. He undermines the man by, by by trading all those players like that. That's completely undermining the manager's ability to do his job. Mm-hmm. So that's you're completely correct. Yeah. Yes, yeah. which um, yeah. can be either like, which has been the downfall of a lot of professional sports teams is the GM getting too much into the sauce, and but also been to the benefit. So it is very much. Uh, it's right. mostly been the downfall, but there's been times where <laughs> it has benefited a team. Um, JB, you want to do your piece on the phone trade scene, on the deadline scene? What's my piece on it? Uh, just rules? Just rules, yeah. Um, yeah, that's what I thought, yeah. I don't know, man. <laughs> like, like I don't know. I feel like that's, like that's got to be most people's favorite scene in the movie. Like, Should we like mention the, uh, the chomping of the popcorn like... and then spitting it out right as the phone rings? <laughs> <laughs> was that popcorn? I couldn't tell. I thought it was, it like was popcorn, yeah. It was popcorn. Um, that's even crazier. 
I thought it was like that, pistachios or something. That is the sorkiest scene totally. by a country mile. Yeah, that was yes. the punch up. That was yes. the punch up. But um, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a mark. I'm a mark for that kind of stuff. To be honest, like you know, I, I for all his flaws, I do love Aaron Sorkin, and like that's right. It's it's on display here. Mm. Also, I remember when the, it's firing uh, on all the, cylinders. The, it's the gif on of all of cylinders. Jonah Hill like doing the fist. Yes, like that the was Jonah big. Hill gif. That yes, was yes. big on the internet. Yeah, yeah. I was <laughs> just gonna mention that. Yeah. I always forget that's fr- like I, I don't know why I always forget about that whole meme or whatever. It's the gif that got him nominated for an Oscar. <laughs> right. Effectively. Right. Yeah. And then I think it's at the 2011 Oscars when I mean, it's also this gif. <laughs> Wait, which right, one? Right, oh, right. Oh, when, when he's like saying like, you froze, so I didn't see. What oh, he did. yeah, it's like it's like that. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that was no. Okay, it's di- never mind. It's a different year. Um, he also looks so dorky in his A's hat in yeah, that scene. Right. Like, <laughs> I love you, Jonah Hill, and, but your char- your character's kind of a dork. And like when he when he wears the A's hat, I'm like, just just wear your suit and, and stop trying to be one of them. Yeah, like, he looks... throw in your know tiny, your place. Yeah, just leave it with the tiny glasses. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Those are very uh, tiny glasses, though. I'm trying to remember uh, yeah, more I, of the... Yeah, I, I'm... Yeah. Man, I just... Yes, yeah, I added the please at the so end, though he didn't I say the please. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, Jack, what was your favorite scene? I don't know if oh my gosh. Um, I liked everything uh, from when it said Moneyball at the very beginning and then directed by Bennett Miller at the end. That right, was really right, cool. Right, right, right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, those um, were good. Some, those were some good, good scene. parts. Yeah, yeah, part. yeah. Good collection of scenes there. <laughs> okay. Um, how do you guys feel about the ending? Uh, how, how do you feel about the the ending? If well, thank you for your favorite scene, but also how do you think of the ending? <laughs> I would say something we haven't touched much about, and I don't think it's something we want to talk about, and that's understandable. Uh, the like the character instruction of Scott Hatterberg is real. It's like much better than it has any right to be um i i I like i like the amount of depth that pratt gives him and it's it shows he's really good in this movie it's probably his best performance yeah um you know like he feels like someone who's still young but like is is like barely still functioning as a catcher and and and, uh the the elbow injury must have really put a dent in his career and, and plays him very like like a lost puppy a little bit so so speaking of shoe leather like shoe leather is the term for like the beginning and the end of scenes that like you don't really need the the fact that they kind of hang with scott hatterberg after billy and ron, ron washington leave his house and like see him react with his wife to them getting the contract offer is again very telling like you can tell they they need this, you know, and so that's it's it's nice, and it helps you root for him more. Mm-hmm. And he's also just like a sad little puppy out there, so like mm-hmm. you you're right. rooting for him anyway. Yeah. I also um, love the intro the 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 inter, uh, the inserted scene of him and David Justice where it's like mm-hmm. yeah, it's yeah. hit like what's your what's your biggest fear? And it's like the baseball uh, the being hit in my general direction. direction. Yeah, yeah, and but no, really, what it is, and like that is it, and like the, also the scene just like <laughs> well, good luck fucking, with that. Like switches. <laughs> on a dime where it's actually kind of like oh fuck that is really your biggest fear and it's like pretty it's sad man because as you just see it in his eyes like i can't even really play the game anymore mm-hmm. not really not yeah. to its full extent i think the that's transition the ending, from catcher not the and first base is so understandable though like that's that's like such different territory 
No, I mean, a, a lot of catchers A lot of catchers play first base. Uh, Buster Posey plays first base occasionally. Yadier Molina plays first base occasionally. Um, to be an everyday first baseman is a little bit different, but, like, a catcher stepping out from behind the plate and, like, playing first base for, like, a game is not that rare. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Hatterberg's home run is not the end of the movie, though. Like, after that, they have to be eliminated from the playoffs. Right, he has right, to go right, to right, right, the right, Red right, Sox right. and get the job offer. He has to have a final conversation with Jonah Hill. He has to see the metaphor of the fat guy hitting the home run, <laughs> and then he has to drive away and listen to his daughter sing in the car. Yeah. So that's the ending. Well, that, that's that's another bit of Sorkin, the the father daughter relationship being like the central relationship of the movie. Is Which is really, really, well Sor- really Sorkin is uh, this, he's interested in uh, father daughter relationships. I didn't. Oh, okay. That's... <laughs> he's a he's a he's a girl dad. <laughs> um, but that's another thing that's like it's just, there's just enough of that. It never lo- it never feels like it derails the movie. Mm-hmm. It's just enough yeah. enough of like. Just enough character. daughter. Yeah. Like, it rounds out all the little character detail you need for um, well, him. So the the daughter is like the only person that he seems at all close to, as I've mentioned multiple times. He's cold to everyone except for her. And also she is a great um, encapsulation of the stakes. Right. Because like real, realistically, realistically speaking, like – I think without her, this would have a, this movie might have a stakes problem. Right. But like the way the way he tells Jonah Hill, like you know, if this doesn't work, you're a 26 year old Yale graduate with an impressive apprenticeship. Impre- impressive apprenticeship. If this doesn't work, I'm a high school graduate who has a daughter who I would like to send to college. So like that really does impress upon the audience. Like if this doesn't work, he's screwed. And that and at some point he has a conversation with her. Yes, yeah. and also when he's like making ice cream with her, she says, "Dad, if if you get fired, you have to move away." And like, again, she is the stakes, mm. you right. know. And like, and they 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 they're not they don't put too much paprika on the sandwich to use a, a term we know, but um, they use just enough of it. And then to end the movie with that with those you know end the movie with that relationship, him listening to her song, um, and him like crying is uh, I think super effective. And Good job. I also, that illustrates that it, that the movie's on Billy Bean's side. Like I think if it cut to like directed mm-hmm. by yeah. Ben and Miller, like once they are eliminated from the playoffs, it would be like wow, that was <laughs> a, a pretty unsympathetic portrait. Um, yeah, and I, I also just want to I just love how I, much I, 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 of I, a dad mode uh, Brad Pitt is in this. Like Brad Pitt and Billy Bean are like yeah. very much a parent. Um, it's no it's not hiding the fact that this is a very post 911 event so it's 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 kind of funny when he's like oh don't those airplanes can crash all the time or something like that um those crash all the time yeah don't worry about me worry about yourself you're in an airplane those crash all the time um and the fear of technology um, and stuff like that it, uh just, yeah, but, yeah 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 um i didn't mention this among favorite scenes but i just thought of it is the scene where uh it's a metaphor where he shows in the, the clip of the minor leaguer who hits the home run. Yeah. Oh, and so we get the uh, incredible line, how can you not be romantic about baseball? Yeah. 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 It's a metaphor, Billy. I know it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. <laughs> but Jack, you still he hit a home run. He didn't even know it. Scene is. I, uh, I'm yeah. Hold you yeah. The the what int- is it? What's that? What's your favorite scene? Uh, no, no. I, I said it, it was the Scott Hatterberg uh, introduction. Mm, okay. Oh, oh, oh! I thought that was just what you were men- you were just mentioning. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Sorry, I thought you just wanted to talk about Pratt. Okay, no, so I understand. Cool. All right, cool, cool, cool. Yeah, no, that's a great scene. That's Sorry. All right. Yeah. Um. All right. 
yeah everybody um, go watch Moneyball. is there anything else we want to say before we wrap it up uh Moneyball rules yeah go watch it again yeah i'm probably gonna do that later this week <laughs> yes it's always, five stars it's, it's another one of those movies that's just like i think it was like all it's always been on netflix like, i don't think it's ever <clears> off of netflix i hope not uh yes it's, where are you at criterion <laughs> honestly um no i i, I suppose like it's kind of it's kind of nice to remember that great sports movies can be made but they have to be like this well made to really stick themselves um in the in the zeitgeist um that's something to remember like we st- we still get sports movies like mid mid budget uh, mid budgeted movies like for the summer very like few that. yeah very few very very few um and and also very few middle-aged actors who can who can sort of insert themselves into a sports movie to give it some legitimacy like Pitt does here. Um, and yeah, like Pitt financing I wonder if this... Ted Lasso is going to bring sports movies back. Oh, that's a good observation. Yeah. Uh, um, and also, I guess it's mm, worth mentioning this is another plan not. B. So, I guess, so like... Um, mm, yeah. yeah. He took a big pay cut. I know Pitt took a big pay cut in order to get this made. Mm-hmm. Is he a producer on it? Yep. Yeah, it's plan B. Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 oh. I always forget that's his production. That's company. his joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, yeah what an incredible run of a producer he's been it's just like yeah. banger after banger and i'm pretty sure like um, one of his first if not his first was the departed so it's like oh my god wait that's mm-hmm. where really where i mean <laughs> right, like, right that's where right, you're right. starting <laughs> um oh man all right well josh thank yeah. you so much for coming on it was always a pleasure thanks for having me fellas yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. this is always a blast a lot love of fun. that you picked this yeah. movie uh, I'm pick. so happy that I was able to rewatch it and be like, oh yeah, this is like one of my favorite movies. I fucking love this. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of the rules. One of the. It's probably the best sports movie of the decade. Um. In, in my I haven't movie. seen Warrior, but I know the Warrior is pretty beloved. Warrior is same year. It's, one, it's e- a, you know it, one of them. It's either Warrior or yeah. Moneyball, but fucking I love Warrior. So. Yeah, 2011 too. Uh, <laughs> Warrior. I also I mentioned this. I think earlier but everybody wants some the link ladder movie well, i'm a huge it's, fan it's of that fucking incredible. that's more of like yeah. a college hangout yeah, yeah, I was movie just gonna say, dude, like, guys I, being dudes well i think of it more as like college movie more. because i want to put it more in a college movie than a sports movie it's because sports adjacent there's there's not many college movies <laughs> yeah but um yeah but yeah that's a good guys yeah. being dudes movie yeah of course um and also like i guess i guess um, a few right. years later in 2015 too like draft day tried to ride a similar <laughs> and, and that's sort of like what that movie was poised for it's like okay we can't do draft we can't do moneyball but with football like um and yeah that's sort of been the range it's, right it's it wild to me feeling yeah it's it's wild to me that it took that long to make a movie about the nfl draft though mm, that just right. feels yeah, right that's true her, yeah and it know, also kind of, and it's and it's also weird the fact that it took a movie that long to ride the success of moneyball like oh now we can like and even if like like let's right, say, there wasn't many copycats like mm-hmm, after. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like your high flying bird comparison though. That's an interesting counterpoint. You know, mm-hmm. that'd be a yeah. good double feature. Yeah, right. And also another perspective. You know, an agent, a player, instead of mm-hmm. like you know, instead of like the GM. Uh, also on Netflix. So have yourself a little Netflix yeah. double feature night. Moneyball, right. high flying bird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then watch Moneyball a second time as a cool down. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And then high flying bird again, yeah. and then uh, 
Okay, just yeah. start like just on repeat until you die. I think that's probably honestly the best that's bet. Uh, yeah, that's not a great uh, repetition. Josh, where can everybody find you on the internet? Or uh, do you have anything to plug? Uh, I have I have a new Twitter handle. Uh, my Twitter handle is at the Sloop Josh B. Yeah, I miss Josh. I miss Josh Jadley. Brush, used to be Brush Jadley. I might change it back. Right now, I'm, I'm at the Sloop Josh B. Trying something out. Yeah. And uh, you can find me on YouTube at uh, Movies I Love and So Can You. And I was telling Jack off mic, I'm working on, I'm putting the finishing touches on a video of the Birdcage, which is like an hour long. So go watch the Birdcage on HBO Max and watch my. Are you going to split it up into two parts or are you just like. No, no. Yeah. Well, I found out, I found out that like the YouTube algorithm is very friendly to long videos. Oh, that's so cool. like. Yeah. My my Blade Runner video is like fifty five minutes long and it like overperformed yeah, right. for my channel just because like I'm assuming because it was just pu- the algorithm was just pushing on everybody because ad breaks hey <laughs> long videos means more ads so yeah. YouTube likes that I guess yeah um, can't wait to have you back yeah this is this is you're always like such a welcome presence here um, oh thanks man I'm uh, it's fun I can be found at Twitter at Jack A Draper. And on Letterboxd, Jack Draper 7. Um, yeah, my writing on film is online at places like my own personal medium and Simple Cinephile. Uh, yeah, like as we said, uh, the movie's on Netflix as well as Hulu, um, which is fun. Yeah. I'm pr- okay, I could be so off, and it's, it's totally fine if I am, but I'm pretty sure Warrior is also on Hulu. <laughs> So if you want a pretty gnarly Man, double feature, of, I, I I could be totally wrong, but like yeah, Warrior Money Bottle uh, double feature would be rad. I'm not gonna fact um, check you. People have to find out on their own. Um, uh, next episode we got the Princess of Kaguya with uh, Brett DeWise. We're finally going into 2010's Ghibli. It's been a long time coming. Um, I, I, right. You know, finally stepping into animation that's good. <laughs> Right, right. Not the Emoji Movie. Yeah, that's mm. it's probably best that we don't talk about the Emoji Movie or things like it ever again. So, Ghibli. Will I'd be hate to do an episode on that. Yeah, yeah. I hate to do an episode on that one. <laughs> that was bad, but you know, yeah. Julia, you know, she she made it okay. She 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 righted the ship. Um, everyone can follow me at Birds of Clay on Twitter and on Letterbox. You can follow me on Instagram, Mr. Clay Williams. You can follow the podcast Twitter account at ETT Pod. Um, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Um, share us on any of your social medias. Get the word out. You send us an email at actionthroughthe2010s at gmail.com. Uh, I think that's really it. Um, stay safe. Get that third booster. Keep wearing those masks. Do what you got to do. Be good to yourself. Hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving. Get a flu shot. As too. always, stop Asian hate. Trans rights are human rights. Free Palestine. Black Lives Matter. Catch y'all next time on Exiting Through the 2010s. <laughs>